This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And we give you the features on the site completely free. So enjoy those. Again, freetalklive.com. And joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. Of course, uh, you can again dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. We will start off with something we didn't get to last night. Meg had mentioned that she had this story, and she kindly passed it to me. We're just... We're just uh, you know, just, just, Feeding off of uh, our co-host stories, like like Carrion. I don't know about that. I think we just didn't have enough time to talk about it. So uh, here it is uh, from FoxNews.com. Canadians looking to visit the United States arriving via air or sea may soon pay more for the privilege. At five dollars, excuse me, a five dollar and fifty cent border fee proposed for the 2012 budget oh, would God. net millions for the American coffers funding security measures. However, many of our neighbors from the north are not thrilled with the move, including Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper, who said in February, I think in terms of the economic recovery, we want to make sure that trade and travel between our two countries is easier, not more difficult. Absolutely. This is nuts. Um, what about that? There, there's this library that sits on the, uh, the, 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 the national border, the international border in Vermont. Would you have to pay the five fifty every time you walked across the room in order to... Uh, really? To the border the cuts through the room? Yeah. Well, You've got to remember that this border only suddenly became important at, uh, you know, in the last couple of decades and then really important around 9-11. So, Do they have guards sitting there looking angry and staring off like, they, at, at, like in North Korea? They have South some Korea? system for seeing who goes through which door. Uh, apparently, wow. they've the, the claim is, and I don't know anything about this, <laughs> I haven't gone to this library and checked it out and scanned it out for my listeners or anything but the claim is according to the librarian and i'm sure they want to make their facility look as secure as possible is that they've caught people trying to sneak from one side one country you know one country to another through the library interesting well now it may be a five dollar and fifty cent fee if this moves forward citizens from mexico and the caribbean would also pay the fee that america's nearest neighbors have long been exempt from according to so uh, is this has this fee existed for other countries is that the idea certainly the way it's written makes it sound that way doesn't it So you've got to pay money to get in, and you've got to pay money to get out. Just so you know, Americans, you can't just leave this country, I mean, uh, with the intention of actually leaving the country. I'm not talking about going to visit, Mm -hmm. but you can't leave without paying an exit tax. Everybody has to pay an exit tax. If you try to sneak it across, then there's fines and jail time as a result. So... You know, I mean, the suggestion that it's a free country really kind of is, uh, you know, I mean, if you can't, if you aren't <laughs> free to leave, you can't leave for free, then you're not free, right? It sounds like slavery to me. You know, the slaves in the 1700s used to be able to buy their freedom if they earned all, enough money. All slaves uh, prior to, you know, the chattel slavery, the, the black people in, enslaved the United States. But the vast majority of slaves that I know of, I mean, at least in Roman times and, and um, in Grecian times and things like that, bought their slavery. It happened all the time. Time. You mean bought their freedom? Bought their freedom, excuse yeah. me. Bought, uh, bought their way out of slavery, and they were able to, you know, th- th- that's essentially what you're doing here. Not to say that you actually get freedom when you move to some other country. Right. With the way that uh, sovereign nation states work, they essentially own the, the all the land and all the people within them. So more to the story here. Uh, at Boston's Logan Airport, Canadian travels had uh, Canadian travelers rather had mixed feelings on the issue. 
Uh, Pat Connor, who lives just outside of Toronto, argued a little tit-for-tat would be in order and lamented the wide array of fees that travelers are already paying. He says, frankly, it's never-ending. So what? Because I'm a Canadian, I've got to pay an extra $5.50 to come to your country? Is that going to stop me? No, we're Canadians. We queue, we line, we do everything, we're polite. With the reciprocating amounts to be charged to Americans coming to Canada, I would hope so. So he's suggesting oh, we, that let's right. let's up our uh, entry fee since or I get the, add one over. Since on our I side. get the lash, you should too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's so hilarious. Slave on slave. You know, That's right. I, I mean, obviously, uh, the the slavery is a kinder, general, uh, g- gentler slavery than uh, than has existed in the past. But I I would ask the listeners uh, that that are shocked by this terminology to to stop and think for a second about. Well, you know, I mean, if you own a slave, then you have to, one, expect that they're not going to work that hard. They're not getting any compensation. Uh, people that, that don't get compensation don't work that hard. You have to clothe them. You have to house them. You have to keep them healthy. Unhealthy slaves don't uh, work very well. So, you know, how much of that, uh, how much of what the slave produces, which, you know, as I said, they don't produce as much because they're not working very hard. How much of what they produce do you actually get to keep? 70 80 percent of their productive value because 20 percent goes back into taking care of them plus the fact that they don't produce nearly as much as a free person would well um that or a free person a person who is uh, believes that they are free compare that to a person who believes they're free who is taxed at uh you know estimates range from 40 to 60 percent that the average american pays in taxes and i'm not talking about just income tax i'm talking about property tax gas tax uh you know state and state uh sales tax county yeah there, there's there's just a, a myriad of these taxes that the average person has to pay cell phones have taxes on them everything that somebody has is taxed and and the uh, oh don't forget that everything that you buy every corporation is taxed and so therefore they pass that stuff on down to you so there's tax there's uh, overhead tax overhead inside everything you buy you start adding that stuff up i don't think 60 percent is it a terribly insane number none are so hopelessly enslaved as those who believe they are free yeah now apparently you're uh, right mark that uh, or with your questioning at least that there, this fee does exist it has existed for people coming from other uh, plots of land but, but not mexico not the caribbean and not canada the u.s department of homeland security is calling for the change and analysts predict the increase in collections could bring up to 110 million dollars that's chump change uh for the federal government in a secretary released or statement rather released by the homeland security assistant press secretary said quote the current exemption means that the fees collected from passengers entering from all other countries and appropriated tax dollars are subsidizing the inspections of passengers from canada mexico and the caribbean removing the exemption would bring free uh, fee parity as they call it for all air and sea passengers entering the united states so i'm just for, trying to be fair Mark. i'm for fee parity i think that fee should be zero um, you know, I just <laughs> I I don't get that. That doesn't make any sense to me. So the Canadian foreign affairs officials have blasted the fee. Uh, one of them said that obviously we think this is a bad idea. Now is the time. Now is not the time to be imposing new fees or taxes on Canadians. In terms of uh, most favored nation status and the whole thing with free trade and NAFTA, I know it's products versus people, but still, it's just another fee and another ding at my pocket, said one of the Canadians. Another Toronto resident took a more resigned stance on the fee. He said there's already tons of airport fee taxes. I mean, hundreds of dollars for a ticket. Five dollars is really not that bad. You got to pay for stuff somehow, he said. 
it's just another five bucks. Who cares? You know, I mean, it's it isn't much, and it isn't going to stop anybody from paying. It's not going to stop at five bucks either. But you know, that's you, true. You really got to ask yourself: Is that what you want your border patrol agents doing, collecting five fifty um, from everybody? I mean, you know, you're adding a another level of uh, sort of bureaucracy. It's probably going to cost five fifty to collect the five fifty from these people. Uh, oh, it's not. It's only air and sea, though, right? Uh, no, it's everybody, I believe. No, I think they said in the early part of the article, in the first sentence, Aaron C., uh, that uh, if you're driving across, I guess you'll still be okay. Oh, yep, you're right about that. So, Aaron um, C., thank I, you. You know, maybe it'll just be added to the airfare and the uh, the, the, oh, yeah. the boat ticket. I get, you well, know. they'll correct that soon enough, Mark. Soon it'll be everybody. Well, you're probably right about that. So, I just kind of thought that was an interesting story. I didn't know that they were charging an entry fee, but it figures, right? These people will nickel and dime you to death in whatever way they possibly can. And, of course, most people are going to go ahead and just pay up. I mean, is a $5.50 fee going to stop you from coming to visit your friends or family in the United States? It wouldn't stop me. No. So the U.S. government can count on uh, plenty of people ponying up more cash uh, to come into this police state. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And another follow-up, actually, on the New York Times story we talked about last night uh, in detail where the biggest newspaper in North America, I think, has instituted a paywall scheme on their website that they paid $40 million to have developed. And turns out that four lines of code actually disabled the entire thing. Uh, it's just a JavaScript thing that if you just turn off Java, you're going to be able to get through this. So it's not a very difficult system to overcome. Uh, but what are some of the uh, reasonings? What are some of the rationale behind uh, what the New York Times board or board of directors has come up with here? Well, they've got uh, something to say about it, and we'll share that with you here in a moment. You can also take control of the airwaves, bring up anything you want, 800 259 the Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want by dialing in toll-free 800-259-9231. This program brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And uh, the actual main feature of the site allows you to control the content. So if there's something that you don't see on our website, like a news article or maybe a YouTube video you think is pretty interesting, whatever it is you find online that you want to share with our listeners, you just go and submit it as show prep to the website at freetalklive.com. And then other listeners will be able to vote on what you've submitted. You get to vote on things as well. And the most voted up, make it to the front page and the top of the website at freetalklive.com. As I mentioned, SACL CAI is a company. That has a unique approach to collections. They are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. That is their employees. Then they know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients too. So visit SACL CAI and you'll find out that they not only do collections, but also early out billing and they purchase 
charged off receivables. See their banner right at the top of our banner column at freetalklive.com. That's SACL C-A-I. So we're going to continue here. And then, Mark, you're going to talk about Libya, the Libya situation where one madman is bombing his own people and now um, madmen in D.C. are now also bombing uh, over in Libya. So a whole lot of bombing going on. All kinds of uh, bombing, indeed. So we'll update you. Uh, you're going to share how you feel about that uh, in a little bit. And also, of course, we'll take your calls at 800-259-9231. Also, bad news for Google uh, from a New York City judge. We'll explain what that is all about. Uh, but speaking of New York, the New York Times was the subject of quite a bit of discussion last night, specifically their paywall, uh, which they're implementing this week. Uh, they're implementing it for can- Canadian users first, for some reason, and then they're implementing it worldwide uh, on March 20. 20- The idea is that you will have 20 articles per month that you'll be able to read. And once you hit that level, uh, once you hit that limit, they will then demand that you purchase an account from them at approximately $15 per four weeks. And if you've got an iPad or something like that and you want to use one of their apps, you actually have to pay more uh, for that. So, of course, that will disincentivize people from using their apps and they'll just surf the site on their, uh, their web browser on their phone. So we got into some of the detail on how this is a really bad idea and how it's uh, it's just not even financially really going to pan out very well for them. Just ran some of the numbers and uh, guy one of the article, I guess, uh, editorials over at Reuters kind of laid it all out for us. And the guys over at TechDirt are also doing a good job of keeping up on this. And here's an update from you, uh, for you rather, from TechDirt.com. The latest news on the New York Times' bizarrely uncompelling paywall experiment is that the people at the New York Times appear to be delusional about it. Peter Kafka has an interview with New York Times digital boss Martin Neisenholz in which he defends the paywall with some strange reasoning, including claiming that people feel guilty for reading the New York Times for free. He said this. (laughs) Like NPR? They don't they don't <laughs> this is they what, don't feel bad for uh, reading any any of the other news sites for free but New York Times yeah we feel bad. So here's what he had to say. I think the majority of people are honest and care about great journalism and the New York Times. When you look at the research that we've done, tons of people actually say, "Geez, we felt sort of guilty getting this for free all these years. We actually want to step up and pay because we know we're supporting a valuable institution." Unquote. Now, I'm just curious. I'm sure you guys have gone into a diner before and you've seen a copy of the local newspaper sitting out on the counter or on a on a table or something like that. Yep. Did you feel guilty when you picked that up to read it? Nope. No. Well, why not? Somebody did that work. Somebody put time and effort into making that newspaper a solid piece of journalistic integrity. And how dare you? Well, the diner it- bought it for their customers. But each you, customer should be paying to read that information, don't you think? <laughs> they should charge per set of eyes? Well, isn't that kind of what this guy's saying? Here? Well, it, as a matter of fact, they do charge per set of eyes when it comes to newspapers and magazines because when they, they sell They charge the advertisers, you mean? To the advertisers, they'll say, well, 2.75 people read each one of our newspapers. Right, they factor in pass-around rate. Yeah, they do. They, they absolutely factor that in. When they, so when they, they don't give their, what I don't know, uh, rate, what, what they call that when they, just the print run. So mm-hmm. if they print, say, 45,000 copies, they'll take that 45,000. 5,000 copies, they'll mm. multiply it times 2.75, come up with some number around, you know, 125 or what, 125,000 or whatever it is, and they'll say that that is their viewership. I guess the one circulation, the other yeah. viewership or whatever, whatever. How they figure that out, though, I think seems pretty 
they, they sketchy. Have, well, it, it, it's... They put little chips in every single magazine now. They're it's, all... It's just cameras estimate. on them. All of these things are, and, and all you can do is, as an aver- as a uh, you know purchaser of advertising, is do your best and look at the, the numbers as they exist and, you know, hope that you can, you know, that's it. So... Uh, according to TechDirt.com's uh, editorial here by Mike Masnick, he says, A few thoughts on this. First, it's a load of crap. I can't see that passing the laugh test. If they have research that says that, I'm willing to bet the research methodology was done poorly. At best, perhaps they asked the question in a way that made people embarrassed, so they felt compelled to answer that way. News is free online. I've never heard anyone feeling guilty about not paying for news that was offered up for free on purpose. I mean, I it, do think that the New York Times puts out an excellent product. I mean, I, I'm, but I don't feel guilty about reading it when I read it and don't, you know, pay for it. I think that uh, I pay for it by there being advertisers on the page. And by the way, I have Firefox set up so that I can see the ads on websites. I've turned off. I've gone through the trouble of turning off the ad block that, that blocks that stuff. Now the pop-ups, I turn that stuff off just because I don't want things popping up. Hey, those are reading. annoying. Yeah, but I I see all ads because, well, I want to see all those ads. I mean, it makes you wonder, does anyone feel guilty for paying the subscription fees for a paper copy of the New York Times? After all, the subscription price doesn't even cover the printing and distribution costs. So if people feel guilty for not paying for the reporting, then they ought to feel guilty for paying for the paper's subscription price. But that's crazy. More importantly, though, if they really believe that people felt guilty about it, they would just offer them a way to pay what they wanted voluntarily. Setting up a paywall with specific and at times nonsensical rules makes very little sense if you believe that the key reason why people will pay is guilt. If the reason to pay is guilt, then just make it easy for people to do a pay-what-you-want offering, kind of like some of the bands have been doing, or to some extent that Free Talk Live does with the Free Talk Live AMP program. I'll tell you that um, once the internet comes up with a system that you can cheaply throw change at uh, you know somebody or something mm-hmm. cheaply and easily throw change at somebody then that that is going to break out the whole internet model because in fact people do want to throw a few cents but it has to basically be a purchase of three dollars or something like that in order to just make the purchase make sense for the person who's selling it you know i wish i could think of this mark but that exists i know i just i don't recall what it's called there is some sort of Internet payment system that actually allows you to just you what you do is you put in a certain number of dollars per month that you're willing to donate to, to different organizations mm-hmm. and different organizations can take that they can receive that kind of donation and then you can just kind of increment by little bits essentially the amount of money that you send to these organizations i'm i'm describing it poorly but what you're talking about does exist well i i feel once it uh, gets to be ubiquitous that that will really change everything the times didn't do that because they know deep down inside they fee, uh, they that very few people feel guilty for reading the times without paying for it thus they know that just asking people to pay won't work so why not just be upfront about why they're putting up the paywall? My guess is that the folks putting this together know deep down inside that this is a disaster in the making. It's why there's no value proposition being added here. All you get is a negative value proposition, and that is that we won't block you at some point. I doubt that the paywall audience, uh, the paywall will be a disaster just because the New York Times has a big enough core. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. 
MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpaks, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com this is free talk live and you can bring up whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231 that's the SACL cai toll free line 1-800-259-9231 you can join us on our website freetalklive.com and enjoy the various features you'll find there for free news updates are available You'll be kept in the loop whenever there's something that you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to news.freetalklive.com to get on that list. You can follow us via Twitter or Facebook and receive emailed updates as well. Go to news.freetalklive.com. Get signed up for free. Ruger has some very exciting new offers for this uh, model year. The LC9, it's a slightly larger cousin to the very popular LCP. It's compact. It has numerous safety features, a three-dot sight system, and Ruger Always has and always will mean rugged. The Ruger LC9, the next handgun you must own. Made in America for you. Ruger.com. All right, 800-259-9231 to the phones and the fun. We talked to Justin in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Justin. Hey, Justin. How are you going? What's on your mind? I would like to talk about, um, I was going to talk about Fukushima, but something else crossed my mind. Um. You know how in the public schools we have a lot of eugenics policies. Eugenics policies in the public schools? What? And the Ridlin kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I, hold on. How is, Rid, is Ridlin being uh, administered in some fashion that is racist in nature? Well, not racist. I wouldn't say eugenics well, that, is completely racist. Okay. Explain to me what eugenics means to you then. Eugenics is just a theory of people just believing they're better than everyone else. But... It also is eugenics not is eugenics. the study or belief in the possible using the eugenics angle. I'm sorry. Hold on a second. The, Let's get this clear here. Eugenics is the study of or belief in the possibility of improving well, the qualities of the human species or human population, especially by such means as discouraging reproduction by persons having genetic effects or presumed to have inheritable, well, yeah, undesirable traits. So there's nothing but, specifically racist about that, Mark. Okay. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to say. No, I mean, yeah. Well, for example, there are eugenics. People that eugenics is still alive, and I'm going to say that right now. Oh yeah, they just don't call it that openly. Here is that a lot of times we're still seeing eugenics policies, especially in the public schools. I'm not saying, but eugenics is is more widespread than that. It it started with with one group, but now they're doing to everybody, especially the kids of the uh, the working class kids. I'm not, you know, they they really like to target like working class children. The children of working class people. Well, you know I, I, well, here's what I think about the vaccine situation. Um, you mentioned it, and that's um, you know it give, gives me an opening. I think that vaccines largely do what they say they'll do, what they say they're going to do. However, I don't think that they necessarily know or care the other things that vaccines do. That the side effects of vaccines can be uh, they, they can kill people and um, they can cause all kinds of irreparable damage. I am not 
saying that there is thimerosal in vaccines currently and that that is causing uh, people autism. Well, there are I in don't some. Know. There's, there's thimerosal in some vaccines and not others. But I, ca- I can't say. The point, the point is, is that there are also those who believe that there are too many people on the planet and that, that the herd should, should be culled. Yeah. And, and so there are two types. I mean, you've got hard kill and soft kill. And uh, some people believe that, that soft kill type weapons are being used on the average person in this country and in this world, and they cite certain examples. I wouldn't even say that the idea of having vaccines uh, being administered is in any way a, really a eugenics program necessarily. It's just a it's just a do-gooder thing. It's somebody that thinks they know what's best for everybody, trying to foist it on everybody At through the very this least coercive it is. system. Yeah, it, it's not just that. It's just basically... They're not giving uh, a lot of people choices. Now the government's trying, the, because of private lobbyists, they're trying to lobby saying the forced vaccinations are all right, where basically you don't have a choice, where you have, where it's by force. Well, Dude, I'm, I'm with you, man. If usually that's... it has to do with, uh, you know, your attendance to but, school, but it's right? not just that. I, I wanted to also talk about the Ritalin-type drugs. For example, the so-called ADHD. I've done my research, and a lot of this stuff is just made up. And this is just like a I generally agree that uh, that it's overdiagnosed creating mm-hmm. a problem that doesn't exist with children and just basically drugging children as a means of solution not for money and for other reasons you know it's Absolutely it's to keep kids who are infrequently I th- I think a lot of it is used to keep kids who are uh, maybe not challenged by the governmental school system and who are acting out as a result of that too dope them up essentially and keep How them dare from you be being bored? a problem it's also it's also to target the ones who are the most creative, who are who are the ones that could be future threats to the system. I think that's I think that's a little paranoid. Um, I don't think there well, really I, have any evidence for that. I know it's that. a little paranoid, but you know, in the Soviet Union, they used to do a similar thing. Basically, there there are papers. Well, they didn't do very you, well. They didn't do a good job on me. I can tell you that. Psychiatry actually targets the creative people in the Soviet Union because they always want to go after the creative ones. Hmm. Well, I can tell you that they smartest. didn't do a very good job with me. And thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. They put me in uh, what they called a gifted school, and I was probably one of the more, I guess, trouble-making individuals in this school, which isn't saying a you whole lot. You were bored. Um, I, well, I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I, I can't say for sure I was bored. I, I didn't like school. I can tell you that. Uninterested uh, yeah. doesn't it isn't necessarily mean that, uh, that the, the curriculum isn't challenging you. Sometimes uninterested means your just interests don't lie there, you yeah. know? But, I mean, it was pretty clear that I had a problem with authority, and I remember I've had a problem with authority as long as I can remember, uh, basically. And they never managed to beat that out of me or do anything to try to stop me from doing that or, or suggested any drugs for me. So, apparently, they maybe they didn't do it as much back then. No, they uh, didn't. They but, didn't. You know, They're doing it more ago. in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. So, uh, so one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. But I did, I do know that they had Ritalin back then because I remember there were some kids that were on it. Uh, nobody ever suggested that for me, though. They never had a conference with my parents saying that I needed to be doped up or anything like that. So I had a teacher who had a sign on her wall that said "Question Authority." That in fact wrote, <laughs> wrote me a little note uh, as I was, you know, I was saying something to her, and, and you know, rather than be combative, she decided to write a note mm-hmm. and just writes it right there in front of me. You have a problem with authority. She has a, <laughs> That's a, a, hilarious. a thing on the wall with Einstein that says "Question Authority." <laughs> did you point that out to her? I did. Oh, and? Is, I didn't even answer. I just reached up and pointed at it. <laughs> How'd that go over? <laughs> she smiled at me, kind of a, tr- so uh, kind of a, a, a priss little, uh, you know, like pucker smile. <laughs> That's very interesting. Was that as far as it went? Was That's it? as far as it went. Hmm. 
you know, a in our class. When I was a kid, the schools had a lot of windows, you know, the old kind of brick buildings with Mm -hmm. the big windows. So I used to sit by the window and look out the window half the day. And now the new schools, of course, have one little tiny window. They're like prisons. So you can't look out the window anymore if you've ever noticed. The windows, uh, well, some of them I've seen have uh, long windows that are just across the top two feet of of the classroom. Yep. So that way, where have, more, have you seen these? I'm just saying that these are pictures that I've seen of schools. In general, new sc- newer schools are not are designed. Wow. They look like prisons. You can't look outside. The windows are small, <laughs> and they try to get enough la- natural lighting. And like yeah. Mark was describing, they want natural lighting, but they don't want the kids looking outside and thinking being about going outside and in th- recess or whatever. Yeah. Wow. And this gives the, the teachers more wall space for whatever things that they put up, so they get the natural light and the wall space. Wow, I didn't even realize that was going on. We've talked about how schools are like prisons. and They and look like it. They're designed like it. When I true. started high school, they built a brand new high school in my town. And, and that was one of the newer uh, or one of the first newer designed schools with just the one little tiny window in every classroom and all the wall space. And you couldn't look out the window and you were isolated. You were, you were in a little Man, that's concrete creepy. block all day. It was creepy. And the, this was like back in 1920, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, my, my high school, actually, I was the first class. We were the first class to go all the way through four years. So when the school opened, I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. And, and then when I graduated, we were the first class. And I'm not going to say what year, but <laughs> it was sometime. guess. It's it was in the 70s. 78, 79. Because I know how old you are. <laughs> well, I graduated in '78, so there you okay. go. But anyway, it, but it, it was it was an okay school. But I liked the old one better. I liked the mm. windows. I liked it was more the newer the older schools were more open and airy and yeah. you know and the new mm. one the new ones now and whenever I see a new school, I always take note of of how they're designed and it's interesting. They all look like prisons now. Every every new school I've seen looks like a prison. That's interesting. I know they're building a new school here in uh, Little Keene, New Hampshire, where we do this radio show. It's a middle school, and I haven't taken a close look or dr- driven into their parking lot or anything like that. But I guess I lucked out. Uh, they built a new school at, at, at my school, and I think it was in the you know the late '90s. And there are plenty of windows on on each classroom. So you went to the gifted school. Well, no, I think they're all designed differently, but they are yeah. institutions, and no one can argue with that. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The SACL CAI toll free line. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated talk show on more than 90 talk radio stations from coast to coast. We've been named Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our 90 plus stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything you want. Just dial in toll-free, take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, and we give you the features on the site free. So enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com, and if you want to help support this program, you can do that. Shop with us. Go to shop.freetalklive.com to see our affiliate links for Amazon and Newegg. When you enter through uh, the 
the Amazon affiliate links, whether you're in the U.S., in Canada, Germany, or the U.K., uh, then a portion of the purchase that you make there will go to Free Talk Live. Now, if you enter through the New Egg affiliate links for U.S. or Canada, the money actually doesn't go to Free Talk Live. It goes to one of our friendly organizations that uh, Mark, you and I are a part of as yep. board members, the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund, to support those who are engaging in some of the most risky of activism, uh, financially support them. And you can, uh, again, just shop as you normally would shop. Just start your shopping experience through our affiliate links at shop.freetalklive.com. All right, so our number here tonight is 800-259-9231. Still to come, we'll talk about the Libya uh, situation. Uh, but first, a little further thoughts on uh, regarding Justin's call there from Maryland. Very concerned with some of the things that are going on in the government school system, like mandating vaccines. And I know that uh, I think you know both of you as parents are. This is something that concerns the both of you. Is that right? Oh, definitely. You know, if somebody wants to to do something uh, for their health, they should do it. But I, I don't think any option should be forced on people because. There are options, and, and immunizing yourself against something, you know, a vaccine is not the only way to, to immunize yourself, and you have a choice, and you should make informed choices on those things. And it feels like force, and that's what he was saying earlier, was it that they were forcing it, and it certainly feels that way, even though you do have the option to, say, homeschool your kids or maybe send them to some kind of a private institution. It still feels like force because they've already stolen your money from you. They have forced you to pay for the schools they forced you to pay for this uh this vaccination well, system and don't forget that the uh, they they force you to support the fda the fda keeps out competition in the area of vac- uh, vaccines and vaccination and the federal government through the courts have uh, basically made it so that uh, companies that produce vaccines are completely insulated from lawsuits and yep. as far as i'm con- i just don't That's like dangerous. yeah i don't yes. like the incentives that are set up there i personally have had uh, bad issues with uh, the flu vaccine i know that my son has my genes and i'm not really I, like that concerns me i don't know everything about vaccines i've read about them I think that it's impossible for a layman to truly come to a real understanding about vaccines and their dangers and their um, and their benefits. I think it's really impossible without knowing a whole bunch. So what I went with is the Hippocratic Oath. I decided that my first goal was to do no harm. Mm-hmm. Do no harm in what regard? Well, the Hippocratic Oath basically tells doctors, look, if you don't know what you're going to do is going to be helpful, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. And uh, I don't know that uh, giving a vaccine to my son is going to be helpful because I don't feel like there's – I haven't seen enough studies that, that, that show that vaccines don't do this or that because how can they? How can they do all those studies? Um, how can they say that you know, the, the, the people that – in fact is I know people die after vaccines. Sure. I mean you know, there's, there's these, uh, these stories on the – on the internet, you, you see people being interviewed. A friend of mine's uh, father, I believe, uh, he died after being after getting a vaccine. He came wow. home sick from work. He was dead by the evening. The other issue, too, is the thimerosal, because they say, well, now they don't have many more. That's not true. Some batches or lots do, and some don't. The flu shots largely... you up by now, wouldn't you? The thimerosal? Yeah. 
Well, no, the thimerosal is still in a lot of vaccines. And then if you actually go and download the material data safety sheet on thimerosal from the manufacturer, you find out it, it says right on there, it's a neurotoxin. If you spill it on your skin, wash it off immediately. So why would you inject- put it inside yourself? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, this is common sense. I've heard they don't use the stuff anymore, but I don't. The, the, once again, I don't know. How well, am I going to Well, know? if you're going to get a vaccine, you can ask for the insert. You can read the insert but and they, see what's in they it. They change what, the names of these things. I mean, there's yep, no... Uh, if, if, if they wanted mm-hmm. to change the name of thimerosal to something else, I wouldn't know. And, you know, it, it just yeah, it makes point. it so difficult for the sort of the average individual to, to ever to figure these things out. Yeah. Your thoughts are welcome at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can, of course, uh, bring up whatever you would like. Now, Mark, uh, we're going to get to the Olivia story here in a moment, but Tom is on the line in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hello there. Yeah, it's about some constitutional issues about coining money that you've discussed recently on the program. I want to clarify that the authors of the Constitution wanted not only to uh, prevent what the Federal Reserve is doing, but also to prevent the states from doing similar things in order to relieve uh, debtors at the expense of creditors, because if they relieve a debtor, then the creditor is stuck, and it's just like uh, taking somebody's house or their car when you take somebody's bank account, that sort of thing. Uh, so the Constitution does uh, say that Congress shall have power to coin money, regulate the value thereof and of foreign coin, and fix the standard of weights and measures. Okay, so that uh, provision lets them have a uniform standard for coins uh, in the United States, instead of each state having its own different kinds of coins. Mm -hmm. Uh, Article 1, Section 10 says, No state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation, grant letters of mark and reprisal, coin money, emit bills of credit, make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts, pass any bill of attainder, ex post facto law, or law, impairing the obligation of contracts or grant any title of nobility. Now, here's the uh, point that I need to make, is that a debt is a debt, and they can't even say, okay, we're going to make these uh, Zimbabwean 30-cent pieces that are silver legal tender at $3 a piece because Congress has the power to regulate the value of foreign coin. So they stuck with that. And as Congressman Ron Paul points out in the congressional record for 17 July 2003, uh, on page E1516, he says, the drafters of the Constitution were well aware of how a government armed with legal tender powers could ravage the people's liberty and prosperity. That is why the Constitution does not grant legal tender power to the federal government, and the states are empowered to make legal tender only out of gold and silver. So so that's why they created the Federal Reserve, right? So they could get around that. By not giving Congress that power, they said Congress cannot do it. This is the doctrine of enumerated powers. But they didn't say that they couldn't hire a private bank to do it for them. But Congress cannot... uh, make anything legal tender. See, that doesn't give them any legal tender power. And he goes on to say... Well, they did some, that. Uh, some, well, clearly uh, they have the power because they did it, right? 
the, the constitutional, uh, there's been Supreme Court cases that were split decisions, and he goes on to discuss how uh, one justice of the Supreme Court, Justice Fields, keeps saying, no, you can't do that, no, you can't do that. But he was on the dissenting side and the, the losing side. The, the, you pack the Supreme Court with uh, enemies of liberty, and you can get away with uh, whatever you want, because the document is only a piece of paper. That's Until, right. that, except for the Second Amendment, of course. That, that's where, you know, the, the right of the people to keep and bear arms uh, can ultimately prevent uh, things like uh, raids on uh, private mints and that sort of thing. Well, that's a nice idea, but unfortunately it's not very practical, and I thank you for the call tonight. I, I, I appreciate hearing from you. Unfortunately, Tom, as uh, intelligent and brilliant as he is, does tend to lean towards violence as a solution, and I have to dis- that is where well, I break away from him. He's right that the Founding Fathers, uh, you know, that it's, it's written in, into the uh, Federalist Papers, as I understand it. I certainly, the Founding Fathers believed that the, the final uh, bulwark against tyranny in this country would be the Second Amendment. But not all of them. Uh, Alexander Hamilton was, was a kind of a British banker type. Oh, yeah. And, and he and, and Jefferson differed on, on that. So there were there were there was an element within the founding fathers that didn't uh, believe this way, but I think uh, you know the the better way ran, uh, won out in the beginning, and then the Hamiltonian influence came in around Lincoln and and after. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. I used to have uh, fan, you know violent fantasy ideas like Tom. I used to say things like that on the air. Like I was very. I remember specifically being very upset about the uh, federal government raiding uh, marijuana operations out in California. And I was like, why don't they just hire some security and take these cops out when they come in? Well, it's, that's going to end up with more dead people, and uh, it's going to look real bad uh, from a PR perspective. Well, what changed that for you, Ian? Was there one event or or one? I don't know if I can say that it was one particular event. I think it was uh, moving to New Hampshire helped because then I didn't have the uh, the lack of hope that I had had down in Florida. I actually had you know some sort of hope for the future of liberty in my lifetime, considering I'm around uh, more liberty-minded people here than I was down there. So I think that kind of slowly changed me over time. And and at some point, I think I just had an epiphany on it that uh, that it's just it's not an effective way to achieve peace. You. Not going to get there through violence. 1-800-259-9231. But, it, you know, I understand the appeal. And I understand how Tom feels on that. You can bring up whatever you want. I, I can empathize. 800-259-9231. Speaking of violence, there's a lot of it going on in Libya. And, Mark, you're going to, I guess, update us on how you feel about this. Because we had a, a bit of a conflict earlier this week. Uh, that's coming up. Your calls as well about anything. 800-259-9231. Hour 2 is next. It's the shirt you wear most and essential in any professional man's wardrobe. It's the white dress shirt. And for over half a century, the Paul Frederick White Pinpoint Oxford dress shirt has set the standard for quality, comfort, and style. It regularly starts at $40 or more. But we're so confident that it will become your favorite shirt, we're making it available at the exclusive introductory price of only $19.95. Go to 1995shirt.com and choose our classic button-down with button cuffs or our traditional straight collar with either button or French cuffs. Choose from regular, trim, and big and tall sizes with 55 combinations of collar and sleeve lengths for an exact fit. Order today and you'll also receive free monogramming and 850 value. Go to 1995shirt.com right now to order your Paul Frederick White Pinpoint Oxford dress shirt for just $19.95. Enter promo code TUCK. That's 1995shirt.com. Promo code TUCK.
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Style in toll-free. Take control of the airwaves. That number, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free. Main feature actually allows you to control the content of the site. You get to submit things to it, vote up and down on other things that others submit, and the most voted up. We'll make it to the front page and the top of the website at freetalklive.com, meaning more people see what you think is interesting. You find an article online that you want to share, a video or something like that, you can do that with our site. It's uh, social bookmarking, I think they call it. You can go to freetalklive.com and get interactive. Joining you this evening, by the way, it is Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. So let's talk Libya. Mark, you had some comments. You've been reflecting, I guess, on the things that you said earlier last week, I believe it was, or earlier this week. Uh, I'm not apologizing to anything. I don't know what you're setting up here. I'm just thinking about this. And Well, um, earlier you said that you were, you, you were feeling like maybe the United States military should be going in and bombing uh, Libya. Well, oh, here's what I'm going to say. I think that, um, I think that it's okay to use force in order to protect someone else. If you understand the situation, you've got a clear picture that it's okay to do that. And in this instance, I, you know, when the the, the way it is, uh, exists today, I can understand why it is that the UN decided to put together a coalition of nations and all that stuff in order to, to prevent some of the the violence going on against rebels. Maybe the chances are good they're going to mess this up in the same way that uh, they did it sort of in Iraq. The you know I don't know how many people Saddam Hussein killed. What the claims are? I'm sure you can find uh, small small numbers to large numbers, mm-hmm. but I do know that the State Department. Department, uh, decided that what their estimates were were about 125,000. Some people estimate higher, but uh, the State Department themselves estimated 125,000. That came out in WikiLeaks. Another one of the valuable things that came out of the WikiLeaks documents. I'm sorry, that's 125,000 according to the, the hands of Saddam Hussein that, that he killed? No, that the, the United oh. States killed during okay. their war um, in order to free the Iraqi people. Because I've seen numbers of over 600,000. I have people. heard those too, and it, it probably depends on how you massage the numbers. We're talking about innocent people, right? Those are the, the, the that was the number one hundred and twenty five thousand right. people killed right. was the number. So I'm not going to you know you can't. How can you say any of them are innocent may, and guilty? May, maybe those were Iraqi troops. That sounds like a Iraqi no troops number. No, no. way. No way. Uh, no. They, they just didn't have those kind of numbers. But you know what's troubling about about uh, uh, Libya is that Gaddafi was pretty much a puppet of the West. And typically, what's happened in the past is when a puppet decides that he doesn't want to be the puppet anymore and wants to do his own thing or or not obey his masters in foreign lands. That's usually when these things tend to happen: these overthrows and these uh, staged revolutions. So, without more data, I, I could never say that. I just don't think it's it's almost never right to intervene in a country and and um uh you know use military force because it's not always what they say it is i agree and how are they going to know who they're killing as to whether or not they're the right people the, and by the, the way Iraq, damage iraqbodycount.org cites the number at uh, between 100,000 and 109,000 civilian deaths so okay. specifically civilians so and you know obviously <laughs> civilians not military people and i'm just all i'm saying is that sometimes the cure when it comes to war is worse than the disease and i don't know in the specific instances I have a certain amount of sympathy for uh, the the coalition that going in and trying to save people in, in Libya. But here's the point I want to make: is governments do this all of the time. This is their shtick. Their shtick is let's create a problem and then we'll create a solution, which will create a problem and then we cr- can create a solution. They do it 
constantly by their intervention. The fact is, government created the problem of Libya by not opening up the borders of the United States and letting free people mm. move here, immigrate here, and build a better life for themselves. So essentially, forcing people to stay in hell. Right. It's you know, and governments all over the world do this. You can you can believe that religious organizations would help uh, these Libyan folks to get over here and Absolutely. build a better life for themselves, become Westernized. I would donate money to imagine that. Imagine how much they'd love the country if they if if it gave them freedom from their dictator. No I kidding. Mean, people, Not just them, but people from everywhere around the world that are being oppressed. People, people talk about, oh, the, 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 those Muslims, they're going to come here and they're going to ruin our culture or whatever. I'd love to know what the United States culture is. If you if you know what our culture is, please call in. I haven't heard a satisfactory answer yet. So uh, that kind of echoes what I said when we first had this you conversation. You did, but you only touched on it. You didn't uh, flesh it out. And that's why it took me a couple of days to really get this, is that, in fact, um, if, if you opened up the borders, you let people people come here then and you didn't force american citizens to pay for somebody else's uh, the right. schooling of their kids uh, th- their uh, medical care their uh, welfare, no welfare all that all just that freedom stuff. yeah mm-hmm. just freedom in which they can you know work work for a better life they can receive charity from organizations that mm-hmm. want to help them i'm willing to give me too. And when you have that kind of uh, government, that government isn't costly. It isn't overbearing. It isn't intrusive. That kind of government spreads. And you're likely to see uh, landmass, you know, the United States uh, expand its borders because people want that for themselves. I mean, if if Mexico and, and Canada see that kind of mass immigration in the United States because we have the kind of prosperity that a true free market will bring. They're going to want that, too. They're going to want their, their governments are either going to get more free or they're going to disappear. And the United States is going to you know exist into you know, into those areas. And you can't tell me that you can't put every well, well we figured it out. Every person got a, a, a square, uh, an acre or something like that. That they would fill the space of the United States. And I don't know about that, but there's plenty of room out there. There's for lots all and kinds lots of, of room. Plenty of plenty of room in these United most, States. Most most of the U.S. is completely unurbanized. Something like 96, 97 percent of it, from what I understand. So that really is the solution. And but that's that's again another impossible solution, right? Because the U.S. government certainly isn't going to do that well, anytime soon. Government's always an impossible solution. So in the meantime, another solution could be for those of us that don't want to support warmongering. We could possibly somehow support those rebels with with funds or or you know some kind of uh, mercenaries or weapons some something outside of turning to the state and begging them to assist. I don't know what one can do in these circumstances. I mean, I find it uh, you know a free market and weapons might very well uh, favor the Qaddafi re- regime. They have the money. They have control. Of, they had control of the oil fields enough to turn that those oil fields into money, and so they've got the money to buy the tanks and the airships and all this other stuff to crush the uh, incipient uh, rebels. I wouldn't fight them. I'd go no, away. I wouldn't fight them either. I'm not going to give them my labor. I'm not going to give them the fruits of my labor. No doubt about it. But for those people that are stuck there, I don't think it's I don't think it's wrong to assist them I don't financially. Think it's wrong. I just don't think I just don't know what the solutions are in those circumstances. How am I going to get money? To the people in Libya. No one has made has given me that option at this point. I understand that. Let's continue and take your thoughts and calls. And Jack is listening in Presque Isle to WEGP. Hey, Jack. Good evening, folks. Um, There are numerous options. You guys have opened up a whole can of worms. You've hit about 20 different subjects here. I don't know which one to address first. I think I'd like to address first the um, gentleman who was saying that when people are being injured, then we have the responsibility, duty, right, or whatever to step in. Who said um, that? I, I, think, I said I think it's okay. 
you yeah. think it's okay. So do you think it's okay that if I step in and physically try to stop the murder of 4,000 babies a day, that's okay? You know, you could do what you want, but um, I can tell you that you're going to go to jail uh, if you're talking about oh, then, uh, murdering okay. doctors uh, or something. Well, no, not murdering doctors, but even you can't even block the entrance to a place where they're killing babies. I understand. So, so let's let's look, forget that. I, I, look, don't, let's, don't forget you're talking to a guy who's pro-life, okay? I know. But okay. I'm, I'm just, you're, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. This is a conversation that doesn't go anywhere. The okay, idea go that you're going to use then. violence. How many, how many adopt, how many adopted kids do you have? I don't have any adopted kids. I got six of my own. Well, then, what, what are you talking about? All these, all these adopted kids. You haven't taken them off the market. There's all kinds of kids out there that don't have families, and you're worried about the ones that are getting murdered in uh, abortion clinics. Yeah. Okay. Next topic. Okay. No, Article 1, Section 10, Paragraph 3. Okay. No state shall, da-da-da-da-da-da, uh-huh. um, enter into an agreement or compact with another state or with foreign power or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such eminent danger as will not admit a delay. So the Department of Invasion doesn't exist. I'm a little confused as to what you're saying. Uh, bring it, we'll bring it back here in a moment, if you don't mind, Jack. Hang on. Uh, you're welcome to express your thoughts in a little more detail here in just a bit. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can Maybe he's saying that it's unconstitutional for them to go around yeah. warmongering, in which case it's probably a true statement, but they do it anyway. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Sign up at hostgator.freetalklive.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at hostgator.freetalklive.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program. You can dial in toll-free. Take control of these airwaves at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy the various features that we bring to you there, including news updates. You get signed up. We will keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, just go to news.freetalklive.com to get on the, uh, the updates list. Again, news.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by Memory Dealers. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers. They're 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers at up to 99% off of list price. They also offer great prices and service on used networking equipment such as Cisco routers and switches. In stock, ready to ship via overnight delivery. It's MemoryDealers.com. All right, so 1-800-259-9231. Unfortunately, Jack dropped off the line uh, during that uh, that particular break, and uh, certainly I, I would have been happy to continue the uh, the conversation there, but oh well. There is no Department of Invasion was the last thing he said. Yeah, and uh, so I guess he was talking about constitutionally. And yeah. indeed, they used to call it the uh, Department of uh, War. Def- the Department of War, right? And then yes. they changed it to the Department of uh, Defense. defense. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been too much defensive stuff go on no, no, <laughs> out of the Department of Defense no. uh, since then. It's um, been the Department of Offense. Yeah, and they, of course, invade countries without any kind of declaration of war. 
So, I mean, they're clearly violating their own yeah. constitution. And, and you know, it seems like there's an awful lot of Republicans worried about uh, Obama, you know, not declaring war in this circumstance. And I wonder how many of them were worried about George Bush, Bush and his, uh, you know, the, the whole thing going on with him. Now, some will say that there was a... A use of force thing voted on in in um, the you know the, the the Senate or the House excuse me or whatever it was but they didn't but it's not a declaration of war the no. Constitution says a declaration of war and it's either a declaration of war or it's not a declaration of war and to me that's that's what the issue is as far as I'm concerned all the conflicts the United States has been in since World War II are unconstitutional and that doesn't mean that I think that they uh, you know I'm, I'm talking about how good or bad these conflicts are individually. I'm just talking about them being unconstitutional. Right. If you're going to have a set of rules, you should follow them. But if the set of rules doesn't have any punishment for the people that are supposed to follow them, they're what not going to follow. Yeah. You understand? The Constitution sets out no punishment for the people that don't this follow it. They do talk about treason, but that there's no definitions of the people not following the Constitution as, in fact, being treasonous. Pretty much. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So uh, with that, any other further thoughts on the Libya situation, Mark, that you no, want to get that, out tonight? That's, that's really it. If you, want to see, um, if, if you want to see more freedom in the world, then you're going to have to see more freedom here. And I know that there's aspects to freedom that are scary. The idea of opening up the United States border, letting people come here and build a better life for themselves, getting rid of social safety, quote-unquote, safety nets, like welfare and uh, these kind of things in order to have people live, uh, you know, be, be productive and not, uh, you know, just sit around on the dole, whether they're United States citizens mm-hmm. or whether they're foreign people coming here to, to soak off those uh, uh, th- those things, you know. That's going to make for a freer United States. I think a more prosperous United States. I think a United Definitely. States borders that would expand. And, you know, those are my thoughts. Well, the United States would also expand economically. You'd have more innovation again. Because remember, in the early 1900s, look at some of the people who came here from uh, Europe. You had Nikola Tesla. You had Einstein. You had a lot of very, very inventive, innovative people who well, came over, here. Not just way back then, but historically, immigrants have been more likely to be entrepreneurs than native-borns. They work harder. Mm-hmm. You know, well, because they have they, the motivation. Yeah, they right? have the motivation. People that have been here a while don't have as much motivation. They, they're, they're comfy. They're, they're fat. They're happy. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're overcontent and, and complacent. People who come here and, and have a taste of freedom, all of a sudden the whole heavens open up for them. Right. And they, and they, I can do anything. Yeah. Well, at exactly. least that's what a lot of them think. Well, they realize, they, realize days, they can. Right. These days, a lot of them have this uh, mistaken impression that this is still the land of the free. Apparently, that uh, propaganda has been somewhat effective around the world, and they come here believing that they will have more freedom and then point of fact they discover that that's just not the case and then they're a little bit dejected it can be the land of the free again we a few weeks ago we were discussing cuba mm-hmm. and how cuba is trying to encourage entrepreneurship now and without an infusion of entrepreneurship from from foreigners it's going to be very difficult because those people are all most of them are so doing. used to yeah. uh being on the dole now there are some entrepreneurs there because they have a black market correct yeah and, and we have a black market in the U.S., which is probably growing, if anything, here. The, the spirit of uh, of America hasn't been completely snuffed out at this point. But, you know, it, the, our government is growing and getting more intrusive, while the communist governments are shrinking and getting less intrusive. We were just talking about yep. Estonia and Lithuania having uh, more press freedom just last night. And there's a lot of ways that many Those were the, of the top two, right? The top two in the whole world. Ah, uh, they were in the top ten. Okay. And even Russia the, today now. 
has a lot of stories that the, the U.S. mainstream media would never uh, publish or, or, or uh, show. Well, Russia Today is basically an anti, anti-United States news organization um, in a lot of ways. They just dislike, uh, you know, and they're just presenting another side. That doesn't mean you say anything it's anti-United States. Yeah, what do they, you mean by that? They seem to be against the government of the United States. As, uh, well, well I so think, am I. I think they show, they show dissenting opinions, and I think they well, make themselves a good alternative to the mainstream U.S. media, but I wouldn't say they're anti-U.S. I think they're probably pro- free U.S. in some ways, because some of the people they interview, like Ron Paul. I think so. Scott Horton is a frequent uh, interviewee. I take the interview. That doesn't make it a good press organization. Um, If they have a skewed uh, belief system that Russia is better than the United States or something like that, then as far as I'm concerned, they're picking one bank robber over another. Am I happy about bank robbers? No. But if that one of the bank robbers is my brother and the other one's some guy I don't know, yeah, I got a little bit more fidelity to the one bank robber than the other. I don't know if they're saying Russia is better than the United States. I'm not sure. Honestly, I haven't watched enough of their programming. But when I did get the my free to air satellite a system, that I have heard of, that I have read about them on the internet. Yeah. It's all I know about them. Right. Well, when I when I had uh, installed my free to air satellite system, that's one of the better channels up on free to air satellite, and so I, I watched some of. Where it was at that Russia time. today? Um, and where was the Scott Horton interview when? Uh, Georgia and uh, Russia were going at it is what I wanted. That's a good question. I couldn't tell you that. Yeah. I wonder why it's a but good there's, question. There's a lot of critique of the U.S. government on that particular channel and uh, not so much uh, discussion about about Russia. So um, I don't know. Maybe you've got more experience than we do with it. You're welcome to comment at 800-259-9231. But whatever. I'll take the I'll take the news where I can get it. And I think that RT and Al Jazeera have uh, done a, a you know bang up job of covering a lot of stuff that the U.S. government does that the other organizations just won't touch. And it's good to hear everybody's point of view or and everybody's spin on something. That's how you try to. That's how you can ascertain yeah. the truth by hearing all the different sides. I agree with that much. Yeah, and and the unfortunately the mainstream U.S. media doesn't give you the alternative side. They don't give you the dissenting opinions. If they do, the dissenter is always a dope. Yeah. Well, you know, the one thing here's my thought on it is if you're going to watch Fox News and you're just going to watch it sort of from this, uh, you know, the, this, uh, you know, state of mind where you think that it's just fair and balanced, then, <laughs> you know, you're 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 walking into this, uh, you know, c- kind of blindly. If you're going to watch Russia today, take into consideration that it may be an anti-U.S. Uh, news organization or have that level of uh, some level of that bias to them. I don't know. That's just something I've read on the internet. Well, they interview a lot of U.S. dissenters, so it's not like Russians saying U.S. is bad. It's it, they usually interview Americans talking about some of the dissenting opinions, which I think is healthy. Plus, Plus you CNN, gotta love RT the, and Fox. Then you'll get it all. Get, they do get a bunch of stuff. And you gotta love the Russian female anchors. On yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They don't even try to hide it. <laughs> More coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Dial in toll-free and take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. We give you the features there completely free. So enjoy those on us. Again, 
That's freetalklive.com. And joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. Uh, By the way, the archives that you find there at the top of the page at freetalklive.com, they are brought to you by HostGator, and they go all the way back to late 2006. It's all totally free, thanks to HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting. They make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. They're easy to use, and they've got more than 4,500 templates from which to choose, whether you want a personal blog or complete e-commerce business website. You can let the experts at hostgator.freetalklive.com host you. Use that portal that we've created for you so that we get uh, you know counted. It's counted that uh, you've come from us, hostgator.freetalklive.com. That's the portal. And you'll get a 99.9% uptime guarantee, a 45-day money-back guarantee, 24-7 technical support, and your first month completely free. It's hostgator.freetalklive.com. All right, so uh, 800-259-9231. We continue taking your phone calls about what you want. Let's go to Greg listening in Massachusetts. Greg, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks hey. for uh, getting me. Uh, thanks for bringing me up here. That's what we do. Uh, What's on your mind well, tonight, Greg? Yeah, I wanted to talk about my experiences. I finally started a libertarian club down here at Northeastern University in Boston. Cool. And yeah, the first thing I should note is that due to the insane red tape at my school, that process took me about two and a half months or something just to start a club at this school. You have to find um, a sponsor or something like that, like one of the teachers, to be involved. Sponsor members, it's like three different steps of approval for the club. It takes forever. And what do you um, get for, for that? I mean, what, you get like listed on the website or something. What What is the benefit of being we, a club? We get, we, we get listed on the website. We get the right to reserve rooms to meet in. We get to use the school name on our events, and we get the right to do events on campus. The only one of those I was interested in was the ability to do events on campus. I see. So now we're trying to do our first event on campus, and it's part of it's a big uh, project Young Americans for Liberty is doing with 75 different chapters. I think it's actually a little more than 75, but anyhow, next week, 75 to 80 different universities, the Young Americans for Liberty groups are going to be putting up national debt clocks made out of plywood that are over 40 feet long. They'd have to be. I mean, you know, if you're going to use a four, <laughs> if you're going to use a four by eight piece of plywood, so you're going to use the full sort of width of the plywood, uh, you're going to need that. They're going to need to be forty feet long to fit all the numbers on them. Yeah, that's exactly the issue. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be over forty feet long, and the issue is that there, um, things are not looking good in Northeastern right now in terms of free speech with this event. And the Basically, most schools, if you're going to do something like this, they just want to know two things. They want to know when and where. Mm-hmm. The actual event is up to you. So Northeastern makes me come into the student activities office and sit down and explain every last detail about the event to them. I had to draw them a picture of this sign so they could understand what it was. They want to know like everything we're doing, blah, blah, blah. They still haven't given us the, uh, the thumbs up to do it, and... But here's what's concerning to me, where it starts to get into issues with free speech. Um, they won't let me publicize the events through press releases beforehand, at least unless they're, they're they, they said they're going yeah, to they're, they're quote, see, yeah, yeah, unless I get special permit permission from the Student Activities Leadership Office, which it, they did not, it does not sound like I'm going to get, they will not let me publicize the event through press releases. Hmm. 
Because, uh, or else what? Will they pull your tuition or something? They'll, um, well, I think what, what's going to, well, I think basically our group will just be kicked off campus and we'll never be able to do anything, um, you know, relating to the school again. And I'm sure. So let me see if I'm clear on something here. I'd, I'd never been to one of these colleges before. I only went to community college for a couple of years and it was a waste of my time. Um, but let me see if I'm clear. You pay to go to this school and they have said that, okay, well, if you form this club, then you jump through our hoops, you form this club, then you'll be able to do X, Y, and Z. You'll be able to use the school name. You'll be able to use the school's facilities. You'll be able to reserve them. I I presume you get to use them for free. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you've paid, you, you form this club. You then apparently have to go to the school in order to get permission to use the facilities. They're holding that back. That's the carrot that they're using, uh, to, to get you to jump through their, to more, jump through more of their hoops, to beg them for permission. But if they don't give you permission to send a press release to promote your event, nobody's going to know about it. So why even bother? I mean, yeah, why I, have an event? At that point, it's just maybe the few people that, that will happen to walk by, uh, the event, which still may be worthwhile. But, uh, nonetheless, if you were to then disregard their, uh, demands and and go ahead and issue the press release and hold the event anyway, then they would pull your club status. You wouldn't be kicked out of school, but then uh, what would that, I mean, you could still, could you still use their facilities? You just wouldn't have priority or what would happen if you didn't have a club? I mean, the the club wouldn't be able to use the facilities, which is why one of the ideas I'm floating depends on what the student activities office winds up doing. I'm floating the idea of just moving the event onto the sidewalk just off campus because one of the and here's one of the things they're doing that really concerns me that they're trying to shut the event down in general. They haven't officially shut it down yet, but they still have taken two days to tell me whether or not they're going to approve it. They were asking me what I'm going to do to secure the sign because they're concerned it might fall on someone and cause serious like injury or something. And I was like, well, hang on. It's a four-foot sign on the ground. How is it going to fall on someone? They're basically making up reasons to give me a hard time now. It's, sure. it's a four-foot sign on the ground, meaning it, it lays flat on the ground? It won't be stood up? It's going to be, it's going to be propped against the fence, but it's four feet tall. Like, who is it going to fall I on? I see. <laughs> well, you know, the libertarians are, are sort of a thorn in the side of the establishment university people, you know, and I think that they feel very threatened by libertarianism. The establishment doesn't, and I'm sure they don't want you to become too popular. Look, look what's happening in all these college campuses when Ron Paul visits. You know, you're just not wanted there. Would they arrest you? I, because I, the reason I asked that is I saw a video from some college group. They weren't libertarians. It was just some, it was like an abortion protest or something like that, uh, that they were trying to uh, protest on the school campus, and they were ordered to leave. Uh, would they possibly threaten you with, with violence if you just went ahead with this on campus? I could definitely see that happening, and that's why I'm working very hard to get a video camera. I, I decided I want the entire event from front to start, every last second of it, on tape, because if anyone shows up, if the university agrees to let us do this, and then like the police show up and try and shut us down or something mm-hmm. like that, I'm going to have that evidence. And that's the bottom line. I really think that if they shoot this down and we do it anyhow, they will uh, accuse us of trespassing, and I would not be surprised if they threaten to use violence against us. They, they threaten to use violence against students for taking photos of cops on campus before. Not even wow. video, photos. That's crazy. When, now, when is this so, supposed to, tra- uh, to, uh, to occur? Uh, it's going to be uh, Thursday. It's going to be this, like uh, basically a week from – oh, sorry, no, next Wednesday. It's going to be Wednesday, March 30th. Okay, so one week from today, and you said this is also happening at other schools uh, around the country? 
Yeah, 75 to 80 uh, different chapters. Have other libertarian clubs been having similar encounters with the school administration? That's what surprised me. I was on a conference call with a good number of these chapters today. As far as I understand, all the other chapters sounded very surprised to hear my issues. Um, mm-hmm. I know cha- like those chapters have had problems in the past with the administration, but no, no one, everyone else has no problem sending press releases. School doesn't care about that. And in general, this like this is one event most of the schools haven't cared about because like it's a big sign. But at the end of the day, it's just a sign that they're putting up. It's not even politicized. It's just a sign that says fourteen trillion. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, you know, it, it's funny, but, um, you know, Young Americans for Liberty and then I guess, you know, FIRE is the free speech group campuses right. there. I was going to mention them. To me. They're at thefire.org. Yeah, and they're going to try and work with me to do something about this because it, I, I think it's very clear that you know, even though Northeastern's a private university, that this is not academic. So uh, this is a private just, university? They accept no government funds? No, come on. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I'm getting at. And in general, though, I mean, that this is... A joke. It's a joke to call yourself an academic institution, but say that you can't have these kind of opinions on your campus. I would agree, so. Greg. L- good luck. Let us know what happens, yeah, will you? And you definitely want to have the uh, video cameras present. Thanks for the call. More coming up at 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. We give you the features there for free. And if you want to support this show, you may do so by visiting promote.freetalklive.com. You will get an entire list of things that you can do to help get Free Talk Live onto more radio stations around the country, into more ears around the world via the internet. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. You'll get everything from flyers uh, that you can print out uh, all the way to uh, you can get uh, web banners and graphics, high-resolution graphics. You can make your own Free Talk Live stuff if you want to. Uh, again, we don't believe in the whole intellectual property thing. So take our logo, please. Put it on shirts. Sell them if you want to. We don't care. Uh, go to promote.freetalklive.com and do that as we continue with your phone calls about what you want. Lewis is in Maine. Lewis, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Lewis, in Maine? Uh, yes, sir. I just hey. wanted to uh, call in and uh, give you some information about uh, Mr. Johnson's case. I did some research in the New Hampshire Rules of Court. And uh, he's got, you know, 20 days to file the appeal, number one. You're talking about our friend uh, Jim Johnson, who was convicted uh, by a jury of so-called criminal trespass for the horrible crime of being on a public jail parking lot, basically, and walking around the jail. Yes, sir. Uh, And then he can also file informal pauperies if he's, uh, uh, you know, doesn't have the funds. Uh, But the third point that I wanted to make was... uh, um, and and this might have to do with your recording, whether you were video or audio, but uh, the judge is supposed to give uh, instructions to the jury 
uh, as to what reasonable doubt actually is. And there's court precedent. Uh, there are three cases listed here that establish what reasonable doubt is. And I can read you the specifics of one of them after. But uh, another one, he's also supposed to give guidelines to the jury as, a, as it pertains to jury nullification instructions. And there's uh, no. legal precedent on there's, that. There's no judge in America that is, uh, is has instructions to give the jury regarding jury nullification. Where really? did you find well, that? that? I, I, I believe it's the way it is stated right here in the uh, New Hampshire Rules of Court. Uh, uh, so if you also, go it's there, a 30-day window, as I understand it, to file for an appeal. So you were incorrect on that as well. Really? It's, well, the, what I read was 20 days then. Um, it's a good okay, idea to get in early. Right. Pardon me? By it's the way, a good none, idea of this, to get in early. none of this is considered legal advice, by the way. So go ahead right, with you. Right, right. And then there's uh, uh, item number 12. It was the uh, supplemental charge to the jury. Uh, uh, upon failure for the jury to uh, uh, reach a verdict. The judge is supposed to give uh, uh, supplemental instructions to the jury regarding that. But um, Well, I can tell you that the, the man on the road read pages and pages and pages of jury instructions in, okay. front, of this, in front of this jury. Yeah. None of it had anything to do with jury nullification. Although uh, there the is... The reasonable a, doubt thing was, uh, was definitely addressed, though. Yeah, although there is, uh, I guess, a bill that has passed the New Hampshire State House, as I understand it, uh, is now heading to the Senate that will require judges to give at least a little bit of information about jury nullification. They won't, I don't think they will, will use that exact terminology. It'll be a little more legalistic sounding, uh, which is unfortunate. I don't think it's going to be very explicit. I don't know how easy it will be for jurors to understand it. Uh, but nonetheless, there's some, some movement in the right direction on that. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, he did. So you're, you're saying then the judge did give uh, the instruction as it p- pertains to reasonable doubt, saying that it must be a doubt based on reason. Because listening to the juror that you interviewed, it seemed to me like he was saying that um, the case hinged on, you know, uh, it was personally communicated that they should leave. And he said... Uh, it was so minor that it wouldn't uh, reach the threshold of reasonable doubt. And I think that's analogous to saying, if you charge me a million dollars for a piece of gum, that's unreasonable. But that is not what the word or the term reasonable doubt refers to. It means that if you reason it, if by exercising reason you arrive at some doubt, that is reasonable doubt. Mm. And if you have reasonable doubt, you must find the defendant not guilty. Well yeah, said, you know, sir. Yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't know what the, the specifics are in this circumstance, but I would feel when I watch the case that there would be reasonable doubt that he may or may not have heard the guy. Um, you know, I mean, how do you know if somebody's heard something or not? Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's talk to Jimmy. I can, I can tell you when my wife talks to me, sometimes I just don't hear a thing she says. And I'm sitting right there. <laughs> Let's talk to Jimmy, listening in New York. Jimmy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Jimmy. How you doing? You're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I was just wanted to talk about all these uh, chemtrails that I've been seeing. The odds are good you're not seeing chemtrails. There are contrails, and uh, chemtrails is really just more of like a paranoid uh, fantasy. Paranoid fantasy, that's what you think? Yeah, Yeah, I think you should go to ContrailScience.com and read up on what contrails are and why some contrails last longer than other contrails. Why do you have five or six jets all flying together in patterns, creating all this clouds? I don't know. I can't answer the questions as to why jets fly in the air. Do you think that the people that are flying those jets know that they're poisoning their friends, their neighbors, and their children? Well, I don't know if it's poison. I don't know what it is, but it, I don't I think either. It's, 
I don't think I think they're creating weather patterns. What I believe, because mm. I see that they, they they let out something that looks like a vapor trail, but it just keeps growing and growing. Yeah, and that's what contrails do. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. There's different wind conditions that are up uh, up there in the it's sky than they bits are. Bits of ice, just like clouds. Yeah, down on the uh, down at the earth, the wind is different uh, than it is up in the sky, and so things behave maybe a little differently than you might expect. And there are different conditions regarding how cold things are and how much moisture depends there is in the, the air. Mo- yeah, depends on the humidity. Right. So there's some days you don't see contrails at all, right? Right. You know, I can't answer that definitively either way. All I can say is, you've heard of the Tuskegee experiment, you've heard about all these things, nothing would surprise me on, on that issue. Nothing would surprise me, Wayne, but uh, evidence is real important. And to well, look it depends up the, on whose evidence you're talking about. Well, How, any evidence yeah. would be useful. Uh, to look sure. up in the sky and to say that, well, that's, those, chemical, those are chemicals coming out of the black, back of a plane, uh, that's all speculation, and it, it takes you down the realm of paranoia and thinking that somebody's doing something awful when, the point of fact, it's probably just a contrail. It could be. What's your uh, opinion on the New World Order? Uh, define that, please. I don't know. Uh, martial law. Well, I don't think martial law is a very good thing. I don't think that a police state is a very good thing. I think New World Order is kind of like this buzzword. Uh, I don't really know exactly what it means. Uh, certainly there are people who are in search of power and people who have power that would like to aggregate more power to themselves. I think that uh, that's certainly the case. I don't think they call themselves the New World Order necessarily. I think there are different people who want power, and to some extent some of them are competing with one another to attempt to uh, to get that power. What's your opinion on Alex Jones? He is a uh, an interesting character, and I have Very a lot of res- broadcaster. I have a lot of respect for uh, for Alex Jones. He was somebody that I would say was somewhat influential in uh, my journey in broadcasting. And he's uh, I don't agree with the generally the kind of the conspiracy viewpoint, but I do agree that uh, he's a great uh, journalist when it comes to or that he's great at reporting on the police state. I think that he's absolutely super at that. Anything else on your mind tonight? I uh, I went on a trip to Florida. I was talking uh, pretty much about everything that uh, about the New World Order and everything that's been going on. And he he told me to look up this guy Phil Phil Schneider. Have you ever heard of him? I can't no. say I have. Why? Uh, you maybe should do some research on him. Why? He claimed. I mean, I don't I don't know if, it, if what he was saying was exactly. Uh, Right, but you know he was saying a lot of interesting stuff that he worked for the government. He, he like a, you ever heard of a guy named Barry Jennings? I have not. So why is it that I would want to research this person? Well, I don't know who Barry. Well, the guy was actually you know about nine eleven and all that, right? He was trapped in Building Seven. He was the head of he was and, the head uh, of operations. He had said that uh, there was explosives in the building. Mm. It's certainly suspicious what happened with uh, Building 7. There's no doubt about that. I thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I mean, for those that don't know, Building 7 is that other building, the, the third building. Can that, anybody possibly not know at this that, point? That, uh, no, some people have never heard of it. You okay. ask most people how many buildings fell, they'll say two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the third building that uh, fell down completely, and just like the other two did, and there wasn't a plane that hit that particular building, so right. you have to wonder about that. And there's no doubt, there are a lot of suspicious things uh, surrounding that, but I've got better things to do with my time than spend it researching 
things that happened a decade ago because I already know that the government does horrible things. I already know that they kill people. I already know that they are corrupt and that there are people there seeking more power over my life and your life. And I want to do something about that now, today, and on into the future. And peacefully, in a, in a way that will matter in the long term. Yeah. And so by, by understanding the nature of power, sure, it's okay if you want to um, follow the money. But in the end, it's about us participating. That's what gives them their power, is us buying into their little schemes. And that, obeying them. And obeying, yeah. And, and their schemes, uh, you know, that bad things are good for you, you know. I'd, I'd rather report on the things that we know for sure they're doing that are horrible to human beings and make it so that uh, people break that mindset of obedience and encourage people to and not question cooperate. everything. Absolutely. Hour three is up next. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. You've heard the saying, one good thing leads to another? It's true, especially when you're talking about CentOS. Choosing CentOS for your company's rental uniform leads you to the finest service, quality, and innovation. And now it leads you to popular Carhartt branded apparel. That's right, CentOS, the leading provider of rental uniform programs. And Carhartt, the premier brand of retail workwear, have partnered to bring you a new and exclusive offering. It's the Carhartt Rental Workwear Program, only from CentOS. You'll enjoy CentOS's weekly pickup and delivery, professional cleaning and repairs. You'll look good and feel good wearing comfortable Carhartt branded apparel. You'll wear Carhartt to work and CentOS will do your laundry. The Carhartt Rental Workwear Program is exclusive to CentOS. It's easy to get started. Have your company go to CentOS.com for all the details. That's C-I-N-T-A-S dot com. CentOS, the uniform people. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the program. You can dial in toll-free and take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site. They're completely free, so do enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. As we continue here, Mark, you're going to tell us in a moment about uh, an update to the sexting laws or an update to laws to deal with the sexting situation uh, that so many uh, teens are engaging in apparently these days. Uh, You're going to tell us about that in a moment. But first, I mentioned that there's some bad news for Google coming from a court in New York where, according to the Associated Press, a judge has rejected a deal between Google and the book industry on Tuesday that would have put millions of volumes online, citing antitrust concerns while acknowledging the potential benefit of putting literature in front of the masses. (laughs) (laughs) U.S. Circuit Judge Danny Chin in Manhattan said the creation of a universal library would simply go too far. Still, he left the door open for an eventual deal, noting that many objectors would drop their complaints if Google set it up so book owners would choose to join the library rather than being required to quit it. The $125 million settlement that had drawn hundreds of objections from Google rivals, consumer watchdogs, academic experts, literary agents, and even foreign governments, Google has already scanned more than 15 million books for the project. And they actually have Google Books. I mean, there are a number of books that have, say, for instance, left the realm of copyright. Mm-hmm. There's a certain number of years where beyond that, it becomes open season, basically, yeah. on that. And uh, Google has 
has scanned those books in, and it is such a useful resource. You can go in, you can you want to copy a Black's Law dictionary and get the second edition from you know eighteen ninety whatever, and you can go and look at look at all that stuff. I mean, this is. It's not easy to get your hands on some of these uh, these old books. No, this, and, is, this brings uh, information to people. Uh, this is a you know a, a true equalizer. It's a heroic effort, in my opinion, on the part of Google to attempt to uh, to do something like this. And so they're trying, as I understand it, trying to expand this into more recent books and to just get out there and put this stuff out there for folks. And then the idea would be, if you were someone who did not want your book included, you could say, "Hey, pull that down." Uh, which seems to be a reasonable approach to me, but nonetheless, uh, the remainder of the story here. Hillary Ware, Google's managing counsel, called the decision disappointing and said the company was considering it, uh, its options. In a statement, she said that, like many others, we believe this agreement had the potential, has the potential to open up access to millions of books that are currently hard to find in the U.S. today. Regardless of the outcome, we'll continue to work to make more of the world's books discoverable online through Google Books and Google eBooks. She said the, or excuse me, the judge said the settlement that the company reached with U.S. authors and publishers would grant Google significant rights to exploit entire books. Exploit, what does really? that mean? Really? I don't know about you, but I've been on Google Books before, and I didn't see them like writing all over the books or uh, putting big ads right in the <laughs> middle of the pages of the books. What are you talking about to exploit the books? <laughs> it's just ludicrous. Regardless, uh, according, according to the statement from the what judge, it seems like to me is these book companies uh, contract with the author to you know have the author write something for them, and then they sell and split the money with the author, and then you know their their contract is put up and whatever they want. So essentially, the book uh, the, the 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 book company owns the copyright, and I don't see why it is that they wouldn't be able to uh, you know put this together. I don't know who owns copyrights. I don't know how all that works, but. You know, I, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't seem like they're breaking any laws here. This is about antitrust, which to me says that well, Google would just have access to too many books. According to the judge, she said that uh, again, the the company, the settlement that they had reached would grant Google significant rights to exploit entire books without permission of the copyright owners. He was particularly critical of the access Google would have to so-called orphan works. That meaning out-of-print books whose writers could not be located, saying the deal gave the company a de facto monopoly over unclaimed works. Well, if the writers are out in limbo somewhere, then who really cares? In the world of software, there's a certain uh, there's a website out there, and uh, if I think about it long enough, I'll be able to figure out what it is. The Underdogs, that's what it is. Uh, it's a website that actually catalogs and stores and distributes old software. So, like, if there was, a, like, a game that you used to play on your computer back in 1991, and mm-hmm. you remember it fondly, and you would like to find it. That tank game, what was it called? <laughs> Combat? From the, the Atari game? No, it wasn't That's that. That's the early 80s. No, I'll, have, I'll think of it in a second. Uh, but, yeah, if you can think of, the, you know, this old, the old games that used to play, this website probably has it. You can download it. Now, whether or not it'll run correctly is another question. You might have to get some sort of a old computer emulator in order to get it to, uh, to run correctly. But uh, the We call soft- it the crapifier. The software is there. I mean, in theory, if you still had one of those old computers, you could download this, put it on a disk, and then pop it in and, and play it. And the idea being that this software is what they call abandonware, meaning the developers don't exist anymore or the people that wrote it 
don't care anymore because the product isn't on the market anymore in any effective way, shape, or form. It's not yeah. being sold. You can't walk into Best Buy and pull a copy of Space War off of the shelf from 1990. It just doesn't exist in the the active marketplace. Yeah, I, this you know this happened to me one time. I wanted to do an audio book. I just wanted to read and and release to my audience and whomever wanted to come get it from our website this short story. It's a short story, okay? These aren't big money makers by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. This science fiction short story about uh, this sort of planet that uh, had a, uh, you know, a, a real liberty sort of government to it, or the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. And I tried to get a hold, and the guy who wrote it is dead. I tried to go through the, um, you know, t- to get a hold of the, the heirs and had to go through a lawyer, and the lawyer's like, no, <laughs> you know, just, this thing isn't making any money for anybody. OK. Yep. And the story could get spread uh, far and wide. And the lawyer just no. at this time, we are not blah. And that's it. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't you know, they didn't talk to any of the heirs or anything. And when a book goes out of print. It's not being sold in any manner except for on eBay or through some sort of book sales website that might happen to have snagged a copy or two over the years. It becomes very difficult to find these uh, these sorts of books. And essentially Google's proposition is to make these more rare books more available to people, available to anyone who wanted them. And wouldn't that be what an author who's not even making money off of their books anymore wanted? If you were an author, you wrote some book that you know had a relative level of success when it was released or maybe not at all. And, and then down the line, you, you know, you, you're retired or whatever. And all of a sudden your book has this this big resurgence. Online as a result of Google putting it online? Wouldn't that please you? Wouldn't you be absolutely happy to know that your words had actually reached a larger audience later on, you know, decades later? Just so crazy and so short sighted. These stupid copyright laws, and in this case, the antitrust laws, both of them getting in the way in this uh, this particular case, getting in the way of the advancement of the education and the enlightenment of human beings. Well, you know, to some extent, I, I see that, you know, Google's probably setting this up so that they have exclusive rights to these books from these book companies. And, you know, I have a problem with that. Somebody might be able to do it better than Google. Um, so, but I imagine Google's not also not interested in uh, in doing this and putting all the work into uh, putting these free books online unless they have exclusive rights. So I'm a little torn about that part. If I were the judge in this case, I'd be like, sure, you can do that, but uh, you know, it should be made available to everybody. If this is truly about antitrust, then remove the exclusivity portion of this contract and we'll be fine. It was one of the fears raised in 2009 by the Justice Department when it concluded that the agreement probably violated antitrust law and could decrease competition among U.S. publishers and drive up prices for consumers if Google gained a monopoly on out-of-print books. The deal gives Google a significant advantage over competitors, rewarding it for engaging in wholesale copying of copyrighted works without permission, said the judge. Authors Guild President Scott Turo said the organization planned to talk with publishers in Google with the hope that we can arrive at a settlement within the court's parameters that makes sense for all parties. He said the online library was an idea whose time has come and added that readers Indeed. want access to these unavailable works yes. and authors need every market they can get. There has to be a way to make this happen. It is a top priority for the Authors Guild. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Uh, again, 800-259-9231. A little bit more about this and certainly your thoughts on uh, Google. Are they too big? Should they be cut down to size? I think they're an amazing company that's doing a heck of a lot for 
you know, humanity as far as I'm concerned. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. When it comes to potential police abuse, the most important place to protect yourself is while driving. FreedomCam.net has a groundbreaking new product that gives you the best all-around protection. The The GPS GPS Black Black Box Box Dash Cam. Cam. This easy-to-use unit has video cameras recording all around and inside your vehicle. It also has a built-in microphone and GPS navigation, which records your driving route and speed. For traffic stops, accidents, and all other driving incidents, protect yourself with the ultimate witness at FreedomCam.net. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free, take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. And by the way, the website that I was uh, talking about before is home of the underdogs, not just the underdogs, but home of the underdogs.net. They've, uh, and I, I don't know, maybe you can't download things from there, but maybe you can. I haven't really poked around there for a while, but it used to be that they actually had the software hosted on their site. They may still, and they've got an index of stuff that goes all the way back to 1979. Just incredible, uh, you know, the amount of detail that these folks have put into cataloging these old programs. Old computer programs yeah. that uh, if you have some kind of, you know, affinity for, or you, you think good things about, you can go there and try it out. The uh, site used to claim to be more of a museum than a download site, offering what were then considered, or by them considered, great games that never received due attention upon their initial releases. It was also asserted the site was careful about copyright concerns, so if a game available for download became once more available for purchase, or if a game's copyright holder so requested, the downloadable files were removed and replaced with a link to the site that's selling the game, if applicable. So, they're, you know, again, respecting the requests of anybody that comes along and says, hey, Take my sh- shareware off of that site hey, or whatever. Hey, I make money off of selling that version of Pong. Right. <laughs> Somebody might still want to buy it 40 years later. So anyway, it's an interesting site, uh, homeoftheunderdogs.net. And by the way, you can intern for Liberty. Make a difference, get experience, and get paid. The Institute for Humane Studies is seeking undergraduate, graduate, and recent graduates for its summer internship programs. They have internships in all types of journalism and in public policy as well. And the internship includes a generous stipend, housing assistance, career workshops, and training throughout the summer. Visit libertarianinternships.com for more information and get signed up to receive updates and reminders. That's libertarianinternships.com. Of course, we'll continue here and we'll take your phone calls about whatever's on your mind. Also, the news that we were talking about before that led to the uh, conversation about the underdogs there, the home of the underdogs, is the idea that Google has been uh, smacked down by a New York City district court judge, uh, basically, excuse me, circuit, U.S. circuit judge, Denny Chin, said that a creation of a universal library would simply go too far. However, a door has been left open for an eventual deal between Google and the book industry. The open, uh, excuse me, the uh, there's a group called the Authors Guild, and they're very interested in seeing this happen. So it, it does appear there may be some sort of a deal cut in into the future, but as of right now, the government has handed them a bit of a setback. 
John Sargent, the chief executive of Macmillan Publishers Limited, noted in a statement on behalf of publisher plaintiffs that the judge had invited the parties to request approval of a revised deal if they can reach one. He said the publishers were prepared to modify the deal and work to overcome the judge's objections. He said the publishers wanted to promote the fundamental principle behind our lawsuit that copyrighted content cannot be used without the permission of the owner or outside the law. The Open Book Alliance, a group that includes Google rivals Microsoft Corp., Yahoo, and Amazon, called the ruling a victory for the public interest and for competition. <laughs> Google's, Google's competition says it's a victory yeah. for the public. Mm-hmm. And for competition in the literary and internet ecosystems. Attorney representing the number of uh, leading foreign publishing societies and foreign book publishers who objected to the settlement said it vindicates the important concerns of foreign rights holders. The judge acknowledged in his decision that there are many benefits to Google's project, including that libraries, schools, researchers, and disadvantaged populations would gain access to far more books, that authors and publishers would find new audiences and new sources of income, and that older books, particularly those out of print, would be preserved and given new life. And, you know, that was kind of um, the thought that I had in mind when I decided to create an audiobook out of a book that really made an impression on me. It was uh, called The Market for Liberty, mm-hmm. is called The Market Market for Liberty. The book is still sold. Uh, Laissez-faire Books is the copyright holder, I believe, of record on that particular book. And so but they've I, gone through a couple of hands in the last few years, three, like three hands. Laissez-faire Books has gone yeah. through different hands. That's true. And so before they started, before they almost went out of business and then were bought up, uh, or they did go out of business and then were bought up by somebody, their assets were bought, uh, and then they were bought again by somebody else. Before all that happened, I had contacted uh, Laissez-faire Books and I'd asked them if I could if I could create an audiobook of one of their products. And they were cool about it. They understood. They got it that having an audiobook out there, and I made sure that I was clear, the intention of this is to create this book, this audiobook, so people can download it for free. I did not want to create something that I would sell or they would sell and put behind a paywall or something mm-hmm. like that. I wanted to this when I read this book, it made such an impression on me. I thought, my gosh, this has to get People out. Have there. to get this. Yeah. This is such an old, you know, it's an old book. It's from 1971 or something like that. And so, it's not exactly going to be flying off the shelves anytime soon. If you can even find it on a, a bookshelf uh, somewhere at a bookstore in, in this country, I would be pretty surprised. So I thought, man, this is such a brilliant book. It was so ahead of its time as far as its ideas, because what it does is it communicates brilliantly the concept of a, a voluntary society, of how the free market can handle providing the, the products and services that government is so – that we're so used to having government provide for us. That's right, because when you talk to people, they, they can't even imagine or conceive how anybody but government could provide education or, mm-hmm. or fire protection. Pick or, up the trash. Or whatever, Yeah. I just got a flyer on my door today. We we don't have a trash pickup in my town, so there's some people go, going around now that have a truck, and for $25 a month, they'll pick up your trash up to a certain number of bags. Yep. Price is right. I, I can tell you, I've gone and uh, tried to drop the trash off at the dump. You have to wait in a line sometimes, and that sucks, especially if it's the summertime. It's beaten down, it's hot outside, and just rather have someone else handle it. So I did this uh, audio book. For the purpose of getting the information into as many people's ears as possible. And I knew that one of the possible benefits of that 
for laissez-faire books was that the, the profile of the book would be raised, yeah. that more people would become interested in actually getting themselves the hard copy version of the book. Once they heard the audio book, they would be so interested in having this on their bookshelf that they would go ahead and buy it. And I, I guarantee you that people have bought this book as a result of hearing the audiobook version of it. Sure. If only other book companies were as uh, visionary, I suppose. If people um, like a book, then they, they, they create sort of this, uh, this, this good feeling about it. They want to possess it in the sense that uh, you know they have it with them. It's amazing how many books I'm still holding on to. I've already read them. I mean, why don't I give them to somebody else to read? But no, no, I want to possess the book. So, you know, I've got these special books, and and absolutely that could happen. So 800-259-9231. Google lawyer Daryl Dury testified at the hearing that fewer than 10 million books of 174 million books in the world would be affected by the settlement and that 5 million of those affected were out of print. Google has estimated that about 130 million titles would likely get into its digital library. So hopefully... Things will move forward with this particular deal. And I think that, you know, Microsoft and Yahoo want to do something similar, then great. You know, the more the merrier. And it's just so, so silly that it's intellectual property laws that are getting in the way of the advancement of educating people and the advancement of enlightening people. It's sad. Well, I, I agree that that happens. I think that uh, I'd like to reiterate one more time. I think that uh, if Google would just not uh, in, in this claim exclusivity over these books and then you know let other companies go ahead and put these books online too and then let the them compete in the marketplace you know, decide well, again, if there, who offers if, the best service. If there weren't any intellectual property laws in the first place, then they wouldn't be able to claim exclusivity over them, would they? That's right. All right, so 800-259. 9231 that is the SACL CAI toll free line your thoughts certainly welcome you can bring up anything you want sexting update and your calls all on the way it's free talk live this your family today tip is brought to you by boost kit essentials nutritionally complete drink providing your picky eater with essential nutrition and great taste in one drink visit us at kitessentials.com to make sure your kids eat healthy follow the five a day plan serve three servings of vegetables and two servings of fruit daily remember a serving could just mean a piece of fruit or a half cup of veggies if your kids are picky eaters ask a nutritionist about other sources for more tips like these visit us at parenthood.com your family today This is Free Talk Live. You dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Wayne and I are having a, a little geek-out session during the break, uh, reminiscing about the good old days of computer software. Uh, you, you could do that if you wanted to. 800-259-9231 as we uh, were kind of exploring the uh, home of the underdogs uh, website which catalogs all kinds of old, old software that you couldn't possibly find these days. Or run on your current PC. Right, exactly. <laughs> or if you could run it, it would probably run really, really fast. Yeah, too fast. Yeah, too fast to possibly play. <laughs> uh, let's like continue. The chipmunks. We'll, t- we'll take your calls about anything. By the way, I want to invite you to Porkfest. It's coming up this summer, June 20th through the 26th. Are you going to be there? Because we are. Free Talk Live is going to be broadcasting live throughout the entire uh, event. Every night we'll be there broadcasting, and it's just a blast to be at Porkfest. It's camping with liberty-minded people, hundreds of them. 
Over 800 people attended Porkfest last year. It's expanded from officially on the weekend through the entire week this year, again, the 20th through the 26th of June. You can go to Porkfest.com to get registered and use our coupon code FREETALKLIVE with no spaces to save 20% on the early bird registration, which, as I understand it, actually expires in approximately one week. So uh, then the price is going to go up, I think, to 30 bucks. So it's $25 now for early bird registration. If you use our code, you'll save 20%. So you can get it for 20 bucks if you go to Porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. You'll be able to experience being around hundreds of other like-minded, liberty-oriented people. If you're like me, you've never done that before before you come to New Hampshire. For me, it was uh, maybe a couple dozen at most uh, during Maybe what was the election state, season? What was the state convention like for the Liberty, Libertarian it was Party of bad. Florida? It was like maybe seventy people. Hmm. The entire state of Florida Libertarian convention. Yeah, uh, here Porkfest, hundreds and hundreds having a blast. All kinds of campy kind of things going on. Uh, agorism in action, family fun, live musical performances. Porkfest has something for everyone. Who loves freedom? So go to porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Get registered, get your campsites reserved, and get on up here this summer. It's going to be a blast. Let's go to your phone calls. You can bring up anything. Brian is in Oklahoma. You're on Free Talk Live. Brian with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, Patents, I think, are um, detrimental to the progress of technology. Indeed. I think they hold it back. not only that, but it also makes our technology that we currently have not work very well because they try to make things incompatible with each other. They use proprietary formats and connectors, and, and, and a lot of the products are engineered to not work as well as they could. You know, it's kind of a hobby of mine to hack into, you know, the different phones and gaming systems, mm-hmm. and you'll find that they have, like, half the functionality disabled. Really? And, uh, yeah, on on PlayStations and, mm. and Xboxes and smartphones. You know, you, you hear about people jailbreaking phones. Sure. And, you know, and uh, technology is, is what really creates civilization. You know, without technology, we would be yeah, using right. million, millions of slaves to build bridges and roads. You know, instead of using heavy equipment, you know. Yeah, makes sense. Interesting observations. In fact, if you uh, look into the ideas of intellectual property and why they're why it's a bad idea, Stephen Kinsella is the guy, like the go-to guy within the liberty movement about this particular issue, and he's he's written very long treatises on this particular topic. He's an intellectual intellectual property lawyer. Right, a patent attorney, is patent he not? Attorney, yeah. Um, and so the guy knows his stuff. He knows what he's talking about, and he can give example after example of how it is that patents do exactly what you say and that they inhibit uh, new development. They, they prevent competition, and they prevent uh, cooperation as well. Mm-hmm. Anything else exactly. you want to share? Well, I think it just it holds information back, and, uh, and just like Google... Um, it has massive amounts of information, but it only shares what it wants with us, and and that's the problem. They're not letting information. So, the the brilliant minds that that could be aren't, you know, because you know it's just squandered away because they don't have access you know, to, to all the information. And even if patents did protect inventors the way they claim they're supposed to do, 
what happens a lot of times is patents are bought up by bigger competitors and then just buried. Yeah, so it, it happens. It happens a lot, more than we realize. Yeah, I've heard about that with battery technology and other other issues. Well, there are these uh, companies that, that that's what they do. They uh, they will go around. Oh, I mean, I wish I could remember the, the name of one of them. But they they used to advertise a lot uh, on television and radio, where basically they would uh, advertise to inventors to try to get inventors to send their uh, their inventions into this company with the idea that they were going to market them for them. And what they ended up doing was essentially scamming and bilking the inventors out of uh, thousands of dollars, and then claiming that they weren't able to succeed successfully market their invention, which was a non- bunch of nonsense, and that if the inventor would just sign this agreement, they would go ahead and give them their money back, um, and they would keep the invention and the rights to the Or invention. that they wouldn't charge them for the marketing that they did. It's not giving them their money back, but they just basically the inventor would walk away without their invention. Yeah, and then they would hold on and sit on and basically hold on to that invention, basically creating, uh, making a situation to where that inventor could no longer move forward right or profit from his invention right it's was just tragic and these are basically companies that are made up of attorneys they don't do anything to actually add value Mm -hmm. uh, to the marketplace they're parasites yep thanks for the call tonight appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231 let's continue uh ed captain ed on the line captain ed captain ned no this one says ed i don't know captain ed gentlemen is this ned or ed uh, this is Captain Ned from yesterday. Ned. All right, Ned. What's on uh, your mind? How are you doing, Jay, gentlemen? Just well, super. Good, good, fantastic. Ned. Hey, I, I really don't even know where to start. Uh, any suggestions? At the beginning. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, when I, when I called you last Saturday, we were talking about, uh, I, I read a couple quotes from some of the founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson. And uh, then the, after I hung up, uh, you both you guys came out and were on a bounty on uh Colonel Gaddafi, which I may or may not agree with, but the point is your arbitrary advocation of violence was fairly interesting after uh, putting down the founding fathers. And I'm not advocating violence. No, no, we were saying that that's another possible solution rather than. Well, uh, I mean, everybody was on board with that. And it's called a letter of. interesting as all. It's called a letter of Mark, and it's constitutional, right? Right. We, we, well, we had an interesting conversation yesterday about the Constitution. I, I just, uh, I just had a question about that part of it. So, what's the question? Well, anyway, uh, Ian, I'd like to uh, give you. An, the, you said earlier in the, the start of the show you haven't uh, yet defined an answer to what the U.S. culture is. Yeah, I'd love to know what mm-hmm. the, the culture of the United States is. Uh, I'd like to use uh, just strictly boat ramps to boat define ramps? it. Excellent. Yes. I would love to hear the definition of the United States culture defined by boat ramps. Let's go. Well, yeah, I'm sure you're going to enjoy this. Well, <laughs> <laughs> pick, a, pick a season of the year. Let's say, let's say fall. Mm-hmm. You go to any boat ramp on any big impoundment in the uh, several states of the United States, and you're going to find uh, a bunch of guys in camouflage. You're not going to find a lot of burkas. You're not going to find a lot of illegal aliens. You're not going to find uh, a lot of welfare recipients. You're going to find citizens of the several states. Your your thoughts. 
Well, you don't think that um, the you're calling you're saying welfare recipients, but let's talk well, about well, a lot of, I, you know where I'm going with that. I, I know I, I absolutely I think I know where you're going with it, and that, that's one of the problems <laughs> I have is that you're, you're talking about the culture of the United States, and I say that it absolutely. differs that it differs entirely. Um, it's that you know on a boat ramp you may be able to sort of uh, decide <laughs> you know that there might be a certain culture of people that an average uh, you know an average of people that might show up at a boat ramp, but that doesn't mean that's the culture of the United States. Well, I, I, I beg to differ. I believe it is, but let me let me. Maybe that's your culture, dude. The, the I think fishing boring. Would have should have mentioned boat ramps. Okay, let me tell, tell you. What, we'll bring you back. Hang on, next... Ned. Hang on. 800-259-9231. You can take control here and bring up anything. He does not lack for an opinion, but you do not control. Well, everything else that we say. 800-259-9231. You can, again, bring up anything that's on your mind. Even in the remaining moments, there may be enough time for your thoughts. What is the culture of the United States? 1-800-259-9231. We'll return with more Captain Ned. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Moments remain, but maybe enough time for your call, your thoughts, 800-259-9231. We're talking about culture. What is it? Does it really exist? Or is it one overarching? I think cultures exist, but is there one overarching culture uh, for this so-called United States? Some people believe that to be true, and we'll get back to our caller here in just a moment. Well, the principles of, of the Constitution and the United States and liberty, maybe, but everything else is pretty much open, and, and there's a lot of cultures and subcultures within the United States because it is a melting pot. Yeah, that's how I feel, and there's one subcultures that uh, we, we're into here on Free Talk Lab, and that Gold is bugs. precious metals, people that dig uh, value-backed currency and real value and something that you can put your Federal Reserve notes and turn them into something that's actually going to hold value like gold and silver. Yes, if if you're interested in getting gold and silver, whether you've heard ads on uh, talk radio or whatever, go to gold.freetalklive.com. We have uh, competitively priced, uh, very well-priced gold pieces there, whether they're coins or just uh, silver rounds. Um, Go check them out. And that there, I've I've gotten common ones so that you can comparison shop with the other major companies. I believe you'll find that the prices at gold.freetalklive.com are better than you'll find anyplace else. I'd like to draw your attention to the, uh, I guess I think they call it the survival pack. Uh, it is a thousand dimes. Um, these dimes are pre-1965. They're made of 90% silver. Uh, they're very usable in case you, you know, something happens and you, and the, the dollar spirals into inflation. You'll have these real pieces of silver that are in small form that can't be confiscated because they're U.S. Uh, currency, and you can use them to buy, sell, and trade with. It's gold.freetalklive.com. Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say they can't be confiscated, well, they can't, Mark. Okay. They're well, less likely to be than other things. Plus, they're small, and uh, who cares about dimes, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll continue here with Captain Ed, who is telling Ned. us... Captain Ned. I apologize, Ned. Uh, uh-huh. Is telling us that he believes that you can find the culture of the United States on a boat ramp. Do continue. Absolutely. Uh, no burkas on a boat ramp. Uh, you won't see them. That's, that's the true America of the several states. Well, 
Anyway, but, 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 but my question about that is, you won't find a lot of women on the boat ramp either. I mean, it's mostly oh, going to be what I, I you call. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Real you'll find Americans. A lot of women on, the, 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 absolutely, you'll find a You guys got to get down to a boat ramp. I've oh, been to boat I've ramps. Been. Believe me, I've been to <laughs> boat ramps, and I, I think, I think that uh, I think what you're doing is you're you're just calling essentially one segment of the population no, no, real any, Americans. Any guy who's been on a boat ramp, you know, you know, there's a lot of scenery on a boat ramp, man. Summertime, a lot of bikinis. It depends <laughs> on the boat ramp, uh, Ned. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on which, which several states you're in. But anyway, no. No, nothing would be complete without a little reading from the Constitution. So let me go to Article Two, Section One, because there was a little. Uh, it, we were had, we had a little hazy area on the Constitution's role in the United States yesterday, and uh, let me read this clause eight, the eighth paragraph. This is the president before he enter on the execution of his office. He shall take the following oath of affirmation. Didn't you read this I yesterday? Think- no, no, no. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So regardless of How's who that likes it or doesn't like it, well, it's working out great. We're, so we're all still here, guys. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Constitution, you're going to say that the Constitution has been preserved, protected, and defended? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, it's in, it's hermetically sealed, so I would agree. In fact, the Constitution has been preserved and protected. No, well, nobody listens to it anymore. And, and I hope I've left you with some interesting thoughts. And, uh, and a You've left me with a bunch of nonsense as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> oh, Captain. Please. No, no, no. Why has it got to be like that? And there's too many. There've been too many <laughs> citations of the Constitution this week. It's it's All getting right, a little so much. I'll talk to you later, Thank man. you. Bye now. All right, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Yeah, I I'm with you, Wayne. The if there's any kind of overarching culture, it's the general idea that people should be free. Of course, they're clearly not. I don't think she, they know what freedom is anymore. Many people do not. Yeah, people think... are so afraid of other people that are different from them. Mm-hmm. When really the the overarching uh, culture here is liberty. It's non aggression principle it's it should be yeah it should be it doesn't matter if you're muslim or you're jewish or you're whatever as long as you're not aggressing against other people of other religions or or other people that aren't harming other people that's really what the culture of america is supposed to be right where each individual can uh, adapt himself to whatever culture he or she feels uh, attracted toward and you know when people first when people first come here to this country from where whether it's mexico or the middle east or europe at first, they may not speak the language, but by the second or third generation, their children and grandchildren are are Americanized. They're yeah. they're speaking the language. By the second generation, ninety plus percent of them speak English, and by the third generation, you're finding a good percentage of them don't speak the native tongue anymore. And you know that's the way it was in my family. My mom can't speak German. My grand my great grandmother came over on a boat, and mm-hmm. uh, you know she tried to teach me a little bit. I know a few words, uh, but swears probably. Probably. No, that was my great grandmother didn't teach me swear words. I, think, I could say butterfly in uh, in German. I think you could say that some cultures are more prevalent than others. I think that's a true mm-hmm. statement. I mean, a lot of people obviously are very interested in popular culture, if you want to use those terms, Hollywood, uh, following that kind of world, which of course is not really so much of a culture as it is, uh, I guess, an, an obsession but you know, with you, other people's lives. When I was out west, I noticed, especially in, in Los Angeles, which, which is very very multicultural in, in a sense. There were a lot of people who were Asian, who were from other countries, but when you spoke with them, they were completely Americanized. They mm-hmm. were, 
you wouldn't know or, or even think if you close your eyes, you'd think there was this white person you grew up with down the road. But all of them have different interests. I mean, regardless of what their origins are, they all Absolutely. have different interests. And even people that were, you know, are white people who were born here are also very divergent from one now, another. Ned didn't say that, but I would say that you'd probably, if you go to boat ramps, you're going to see white males. Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah. And that's I mean, where he hangs maybe out. I'm thinking, maybe I'm thinking of the guys on the bass boats rather Camouflage than the guys <laughs> that they're out and, uh, you know, taking out the big salt water things. But That's true. There's a yacht difference between a yacht versus a dinghy, yeah. I suppose, in those cases. We continue with your calls. Uh, Dr. Lemon is on the line calling from Florida. Dr. Uh, Dr. Dr. Lamb, LLC. How are you? Hey, what's Thanks on your mind? My you, call. Uh, there's actually a corporation on the line talking to us. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm limited liability corporation also, but my name is Dr. Dr. Lamb, LLC. Oh, okay. The, the uh, poor doc wrote Dr. Lemon. Anyway, go ahead with your thoughts. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Liz Taylor, but before that, I've been listening to your show. And one thing I want to point out uh, that I feel maybe a situation with the uh, Yahoo and the uh, Internet and the, the books and the get whatever. Um, one problem is you have to be careful not to open Pandora's box. Uh, what you said about what you did with your book, where you took it to audio, that's a fantastic thing. But you did what you should have done, what everybody should do. You looked into it. You looked into who had the copyrights, who had the rights, who had the whatevers. Unfortunately, in the 21st century, I am a little older. I'm 66 years old. And I know in the 60s and 70s and 50s and 40s, people did that. But what they are, what they are not doing is they are not putting, let's say, for example, a percentage of their profits away so that when people are discovered or found or realize that they're, uh, what they created is being used and being profited uh, off of, they're not trying to do that. But don't you think they should do that? How much profit do you think Google is going to make off of a book that hasn't been on shelves in years that they're allowing people to access for free? Well, I'm not – well – Everything that goes on the internet, somebody's making money off of. Uh, one. That's not yeah, necessarily that's much. reality. All right. Well, uh, I mean, if they nothing in life is free, but my point in, is, in, indeed. But if, if they you flash let a... them do the books that they claim they want to do, will they not, or may they not, go ahead and do brand new books sure. that are just out on the shelf? Right. right. Who well, cares? Hold on. If, if, if I stopping if, that, if I chew bubblegum, if I chew lawyers out there, if I chew bubblegum. Hold on just a second, Dr. Doctor. Yeah. Uh, if I chew bubble gum, that doesn't mean I'm going to go in a grocery store and steal their gum. Okay? No, it doesn't, but one thing, one thing is stealing. The other thing isn't. You shouldn't disallow them from doing something that they should be allowed to do because they might do something illegal. But if the copyright says that it's copyrighted, then they don't have a right to do that. The author's The author's guild wants that. And I that think copyrights have a very a valid need to no. be in existence. No, they don't. No, it's just really? it's just monopoly. It's just a monopoly okay, violence. Well, we can agree to disagree protection. with that. That's okay. And it's I don't just monopoly really on. That, uh, that's because, all it is. It's you a, know, the, we we will agree to disagree. You and know, that's okay. I used to uh, think that too. It. You know, and I, I didn't want to touch on Elizabeth Taylor because she died. Well, this morning. unfortunately, we're out of time. You'll have to call back tomorrow night with that one. And thank you for the uh, call, Wayne. I want to make sure you got your thoughts in there. Sure. I, you know, I used to think that too because I, I as as an inventor type myself. 
you know, I've always wanted to be protected and not have my invention ripped off. But then I started reading a few articles on that. There was one, I believe it was LouRockwell.com about a year and a half ago on monopoly and, and protection of, of, of intellectual property. And it really, it really opened my eyes, and, and it turned my, changed my mind about the subject. Yeah, I would go to LouRockwell.com and look up Stephen Kinsella. I believe yeah. some of his yes. articles You're are there. You're not going to be able to cover the, um, you know, the, the sort of academic academia this behind this and, and that kind of uh, in this kind of time. Certainly not. But we'll be back tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at FreeTalkLive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post. And today I have with me, well, you know, I guess I do these, uh, I do these interviews mainly for me, for folks that I want to talk to. But, um, you know, I think that this, the the person I have on the line here can probably be of great help to my listeners too. And that's why I decided to the interview. It's Jason Deviney. Jason, you're going to have to tell me all the little letters that go behind your name and what they mean because I don't know them. Well, there's only two really at this point. OD is just uh, known as the doctor of optometry, eye doctor. Gotcha. And I was reading your blog. I, uh, you actually were my eye doctor and helped me out with a, an issue. And um, so I, you know, I happened to see your blog on online and I started reading it. And, and it's, it seemed to me that uh, there was an issue that maybe you could help my listeners with. You know, a, a lot of time ki- uh, kids don't respond and tell you. I mean, how if a kid has poor vision, how are they going to tell you they have poor vision because they've never had good vision, right? Right, right. So, yeah, it, go ahead. Mainly, uh, oftentimes children don't really know what to relate their vision to, and so they won't have an idea that it's not as good as it necessarily should be until someone around them picks it up in one way or another. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, my mom told me a story, and I don't know how old she was in it, but she was quite young, and I guess she always had to sit at the front of the room and the, you know, to look at the chalkboard and things like that. But she said that when she wore glasses for the first time, she was so amazed that she could see blades of grass that she, you know, at a standing height couldn't see blades of grass, and uh, so she was so uh, amazed by, uh, you know, the what what has to have been this has to be sixty or seventy year old technology at this point. That allowed her to see blades of grass. Yes, and that's usually one of the most the first things people notice when they get their new glasses is the trees actually have leaves, individual leaves, and yeah. yes, blades of grass can be distinguished from each other. So, um, how can a parent um, figure out whether their you know what what are some of the things that parents need can be on the lookout for uh, as far as their child's vision goes, and what ages does one sort of find these things out? Well, when I get a, uh, a mother or father in my exam room and maybe they're getting their own eyes checked, it's not unusual for them to turn to me near the end of the exam and ask when they should bring in their son or daughter. Uh, and I usually will say if, if you don't notice any grossly wrong problems with their vision, eyes that are turned in or out or um, that they can't see you from across the room, these are usually toddlers that I'm referring to normally. Yeah. Uh, then it's a good idea to have them come in somewhere around the age of three to four years old, right before they're getting ready to start kindergarten. And let's just make sure that their vision is prepared for school because the uh, vision screening that's often done either at school or in a pediatrician's office is 
is limited. It's um, basically standing and looking at uh, black letters on a white chart from yeah. a distance of about 20 feet away, which is a valuable test, and it can pick up on vision deficiencies uh, of all kinds. But it certainly doesn't tell you if your child is prepared to use his or her eyes uh, efficiently for uh, in a school setting. And so uh, if, if you find also that your child avoids near work or play, for that matter, doesn't like the color, maybe is not very good at um, coloring in the lines, which isn't normally a big deal, but it's something that sometimes puts everything together on a, with the vision problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I've really seen a lot lately in the office um, is a history of motion sickness. And I was actually Googling this today because it's, the, the knowledge of it wasn't new to me, but I just seem to have a one of those, what is today, Wednesday, one of those weeks where many patients come in and they don't necessarily come in complaining about motion sickness, but a couple of the uh, additional tests that I'll do to make sure I've got everything covered um, uncovers a very slight problem with the coordination of their eyes. And I'll, yesterday I turned to a lady and I said, after this test, I said, how, lo- how often do you get car sick? And she looked at me in utter surprise, um, think, asking me how did I know that she gets car sick. And anyway, it's, it's something that some people develop later in life, but it's also something that we can at least investigate if your child or anyone you know, for that matter, has a history of motion sickness. So what does so, this motion sickness indicate, and uh, is it correctable? Yes, it's, it indicates in almost every situation that one eye tends to go into a resting state, one eye higher than the other. So in order to see comfortably and clearly, our eyes have to work in tandem and aim together to whatever target we're trying to concentrate on, whether it's a book in front of us, a street sign, however far down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, the eyes have to aim comfortably together in order to give us the clearest, comfortable, most comfortable vision. So what I, what I see in, in these certain tests is that one eye rests higher than the other, and then it directly leads me to a question about motion sickness. And I don't get a 100% yes on that question, but it's certainly in the high 90s that I, that I get that kind of answer to That's the pretty indicative, indicative. Yes, yes, it is. And, uh, and what we do is we basically will, through tr- basically uh, kind of a trial and error process in the exam room, because it's a, kind of like the which is better one or two portion of it, I will work on a way to slightly decenter the uh, optical centers of your lenses in a way to help align things more comfortably, because it's the effort that you expend trying to keep them in line that can... Uh, lead to headaches and the motion sickness and, and so on. So if you've, got, if you've got someone that always insists on riding in the front or driving, we're talking about adults here, or yeah. at least people of driving age, then there's a really good chance they've had some history of, of this eye misalignment. And if your child has a really bad problem with this, you should really get his or her eyes checked out because very likely, even though they can read all the letters on the eye chart, that's not what vision is completely about. 
Now, you know, um, a, a lot of parents, I'm sure, you know, bringing your kid in at three or four for an eye test is uh, certainly optimal. A lot of parents out there listening probably haven't done that. Um, and I guess the first advice to those folks is, yeah, we'll get in and do it, right? <laughs> the, yeah, well, yeah. The, the second advice is, you know, what, 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 are the, what are the kind of things that people can, can look for in their kids, uh, you know, say older, you know, kids that are older, maybe seven, eight, nine, yeah. things like that, that have never but, been to an eye doctor other than the, uh, the school uh, situation? What, what can they look for in their children? Sure. Other, other things to think about, uh, include um, things related to depth perception issues. Maybe for one reason or another, your, your child was never, rather uh, more likely caught the, the ball with their nose than with their hands. And so they just were unable to judge and, uh, and take advantage of any, any of the sporting activities that, that you may or may not have introduced them to at, mm-hmm. a, at a young age. Um, that indicates that there's a likely chance that their eyes don't coordinate well enough to judge. And, and, and going beyond just, okay, so big deal, they're not going to be the next great athlete. The same kind of eye coordination issues can make it hard to track line-by-line uh, line sentences when you're just simply trying to get through your homework. So if you've got a seven, eight, nine year old who just avoids homework like the plague uh, and throws a huge fit, it's not so much trying to make them uh, expend more effort. You really have to think about the fact, is it just too uncomfortable for them to point their eyes and move them side to side continuously because the muscles in our eyes can get as tired as the muscles in our arms and legs. It's the same types of muscles, and if they have to work too hard, eventually something is going to come about from it. They get fatigued. That, that's exactly right. And then I can't tell you how many kids are probably mislabeled as attention deficit issues mm-hmm. who really just are unable to comfortably aim their eyes at reading material or things in front of them. It's literally more comfortable for them to look away than to try to concentrate on what they're doing. So it's, it's an interesting aspect of vision care, and uh, you know, I'm learning more about it every week with my patients, honestly. And so um, uh, there's, there's things, what else? Um, like I said, avoidance of near work. Um, they'd rather do things independently. They're maybe they're so much better in math. They're obviously bright, okay? But they're, I, 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 as I ask these questions of patients when I discover these little eye coordination issues, without fail, they almost always are better at math, but they do not excel at reading. Um, they've never been considered a reader of any yeah. kind, but they're, but they're bright. They're bright kids. They'd rather learn by doing than by reading, and you can transfer this to adults too, but um, it, it's, it's a very interesting grouping of things and commonalities that you see in people that, uh, that deal with it. You know, I had these issues when I was growing up, and I, we adapt. A ton of us have adapted, overcome, adjusted our learning styles, but it's interesting for me to learn, even as I go 10 years into practice now, about how complicated vision really is and how a number of little things can kind of drive your success in school, I guess you could say. So uh, any 
any other uh, bits of advice you'd have for parents of, uh, uh, you know, parents of kids <laughs> who, who may or may not have uh, vision problems? What, what kind of what other things would you like to impart to them? Well, basically, it's it's a good idea to have them checked the earlier the better, even if it's kindergarten or first grade, because the early part of school is mostly memorization, uh, you know, sight recognition of very small words, and and it's not easy to pick up on these kind of things uh, in the type of learning that that goes on in the in the lower grades, and so I would. Always recommend if you haven't brought your your eight nine seven eight nine year old uh, child in, it'd be a good idea just to come in and make sure that uh, there's no little abnormalities that will hold them back as it gets harder. You roll into middle school and you got book reports and longer textbooks and so on. Um, you know, another issue that I've that I don't know a lot about because it's new is a newer way for the teachers to present the information. On gosh, what's it called? A smart board, something like this. I don't know if you. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> um, my understanding of it is, it's a basically a, it's it's a projected uh, screen type thing, mm-hmm. but it's it's a lot more interactive than that. I'm sorry, I don't know everything about it. That that, but I've heard some some uh, educators tell me that they they have concerns about how it might strain the eyes in a. A different way. So hmm. I, I guess the jury's still out on that, but I know we're starting to see those uh, in the in the area here. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, um, th- this this show goes uh, nationwide, so people will be hearing it ev- everywhere. So some of them have smart boards, some of them don't. I guess is the right. the real answer right. to it. But um, now, what are the besides the the vision test, the uh, that that those letters that are up there that people read mm-hmm. in order to get a distance? What other kind of test do you, will you do on a child that's brought in? not much that we won't do on a child that we wouldn't do on an adult because although a lot of our older patients um, feel like, you know, that we know that they know that we're probably going to look for signs of glaucoma and other things like that. You don't have to be an adult to get glaucoma, believe it or not. You don't have to be an adult to get cataracts. And so although it's mostly the case, every one that comes in we try to get a, a pressure check in the eyes to make sure that the pressure is not too high, which could lead to vision loss from glaucoma. Um, we'll do a peripheral vision check, which is an automated test. It's kind of like a boring video game, basically, which um, checks your peripheral vision. Um, do some automated screenings and uh, digital scans that show us the health of the back of the eye. Uh, it's really, there's not many things that we'll omit for a child that we wouldn't otherwise do for an adult because it just allows us to get the entire story of how well their eyes work together uh, to get them through their day. Very good. Going back to your earlier question uh, about what other things to look for, again, if you've got, even if you've got the child who's an athlete at whatever age, if you start to see maybe at one time they were performing at a higher level and then they're not any longer, that's, one of the things to rule out, too, is to see if something in their vision has changed. Are they, are they not focusing as well, or is there some order, some other coordination issue? Like we call them binocular vision issues. Those are other things to look for in, in kids of younger ages. Well, thanks very much. Um, is there a particular website you want to plug, Jason? Um, uh, uh, but thanks for, thanks for the, uh, the interview. Uh, sure. 
Sure. Uh, well, my, if you're interested in reading my blog, it's uh, idocdevini.com. It's just E-Y-E-D-O-C-D-E-V-I-N-E-Y.com. And it's just some observations and different interesting patients that I've seen. Uh, I try to keep it kind of, you know, uh, not too technical at all and make it easier, easy to read and relatively short topics. So I'd agree uh, with that. Might be, uh, that. Thank you. It might be a little bit more than you get from... Uh, just a encyclopedic type website or something like that. Just some insights more than anything else. Well, cool. So, Thanks. And if, uh, in our, in our, our, if you're local, our, our website is iWorks.com, E-Y-E-W-R-O-R-K-S.com. Yeah, if, 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 any, if anybody who happens to be in the Monadnock region wants an endorsement, I've gone to iWorks. Uh, I was always treated quite well there. And, uh, you know, thanks for the help that I got from you, Jason. I just thought that uh, you'd have some great information to depart my listeners, and I think you have. Okay, great. You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal, but something seems to be missing. Stickers from LibertyStickers.com. Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com. But wait. There's more. You can buy Liberty Stickers wholesale. Get them for 99 cents each when you put 100 or more in your shopping cart in any combination. Sell them or give them away. They're great for gun shows, flea markets, fairs, outreach, and more. Earn extra money, promote freedom, and spread the word. Need custom stickers, labels, or decals for your organization or business? Liberty Stickers makes them. Go to libertystickers.com to order or call 877-873-9626. Libertystickers.com, the world's most dangerous stickers. So, guys, I don't want you to suffer the personal and financial firestorm that identity theft can bring to you and your family. Most of our audience is concerned with uh, privacy. Uh, certainly nobody wants the, the trouble that identity theft might bring to them. LifeLock, for a very low price, uh, prevents that from happening to you or, or certainly can help prevent it. Nothing can prevent it. Uh, um, I you know read an article where the uh, the LifeLock uh guy he using his own program that uh, some of the hackzors that went out there and they stole his identity more than one time so i mean it lifelock can certainly um isn't isn't going to fix everything but it's a lot better than the identity theft protection that you have right down right now which is likely nothing for 110 dollars a year you can protect yourself and your family with the same protection that i'm using and it's working for me and you're using it yeah that's right and, uh, you know, at, at this point, how would I know that it's not working? It's kind of like having insurance. But it's not insurance. Well, what, what do you mean it's not insurance? Well, it's, they're very specific about saying, hey, you can't call this insurance because okay. it's not insurance. You don't get uh, a reward if somebody steals your identity. What happens is they have a million-dollar policy that, that they will basically pay out up to a million dollars to correct any kind of uh, problems that come up as a result of somebody breaching your identity. So the concept, as I understand it, is they give you a heads up that something's going on. Like if somebody takes your uh, identity and they attempt to open up a credit card in your name, LifeLock is going to say, hey, someone is trying, is this you? Someone is trying to open up a credit card in your name or someone's trying to open up a you know power bill or something like that in your name using your identity. So they give you a heads up on that, giving you the opportunity to head that off um, if they fail 
at doing that, if they fail at providing their service of alerting you to these sorts of suspicious activities, then they'll whatever pay for the fix. then they'll pay to make your credit straight and to remedy you know via whatever those methods are I've, thankfully i've never had to go through this but with transunion and equifax and all these other organizations out there they'll pay they'll hire the attorneys that are necessary they'll hire the staff that's necessary to get that done so it's not an insurance policy okay well i you know i mean to to me it kind of seems like insurance but i can see how there might be some kind of legal definition between what they the identity theft protection that they offer and insurance um but yeah you're paying them for a service of giving you the the heads up of what's being done with your identity out there, uh, which gives you the ability to solve these problems before they really come and hit you. And it's uh, the million dollar policy is to ensure that they will do what they say they're going to do. Yeah, basically. and I don't know of any other company that offers anything like that. I don't either. Yep. So, um, I mean, LifeLock is very well promoted on the radio. Yeah, it's, and it's all a over big, the place. It's a big advertiser that would be really great for Free Talk Live. Um, we have to prove to them that we can perform, and uh, the way that we would prove that is by you know our listeners calling in and uh, purchasing LifeLock. We don't need too many. They um, you know in, in order for them to be satisfied, but we do need to have more than we have. Uh, so, if you are interested in LifeLock, please call eight hundred. 242-2693. It's 800-242-2693. And one more time, there, we don't have a website for you to go to. They're only offering this, um, you know, the, the, the 60 day bonus of LifeLock. So the $110 that they offer on the internet, uh, for a year, you'll actually get the uh, additional 60 days. So mm-hmm. you can, you know, average it out to even less than $10 a month. I don't know, $8 a month or something like that. Yeah. If you, but your only way you're going to get it is by calling this 800 number. I don't have a website for you. I wish I did, but uh, they're not offering that. 800-242-2693. And it'll help Free Talk Live out. If this isn't the right advertiser for Free Talk Live, that's fine. We're willing to let them go. But um, if you're interested in LifeLock and the services, the protection, the privacy, and uh, helping Free Talk Live, this is a way to do it. Yeah, I mean, if you've heard it before on the radio, on other shows or whatever, if you've heard of LifeLock and you were just like, yeah, it sounds like a neat idea, and then just kind of put it aside, now would be, if you'd considered it and you thought, oh, I might do that, but never did, now would be the good, a good time to do it. And thanks always to my podcast listeners for listening to this. What's the number again? 800-242-2693. Okay. That's our special number. Right, just for Free Talk Live. Yeah. And so if a number comes, if a call comes into there, they know that it's coming from us, yeah, basically. 800 800- 242-2693. All right, thanks.